Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 147. I'm your host, Ami. With me is our regular host, Jackson. Hello! And special guest, Austin. Hello! You're here. Is this the first time you've been on Abnormal Mapping proper? With all, with all of no. us, yes. With, all, with both of you, yes. I, I oh, right, you were on for Seven yes. Remake. I was on Seven <laughs> Remake. You really this funny. is why we asked you to be on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot this was part of the reason. I can't talk about Final Fantasy Seven Remake right now. I like it so much. <laughs> More than this game, I, I don't think of you because like we're the we're the always posting about Final Fantasy. Just our it's our squares. I don't think of you as a Final Fantasy correspondent, but it did well, work out I, this way. The thing is, I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about this because I was looking at the questions for today that people sent in. Thank you to people who sent in those questions. Um, and I was thinking about what the fuck do I do on this podcast because I'm not the Final Fantasy guy. And I, then I was like, wait a second, but what I am kind of is like the regular gamer who <laughs> I've always said this about you. Yeah, right. I, I well yesterday I was I was I was yes this is a weird this is a weird aside. Yesterday I found out that someone who I went to grad school with has had like a successful music career for like fourteen years I didn't know about. Like ever since I didn't know uh, like ever since I left that left grad school I haven't like kept up with him. But he's like I have his phone mm-hmm. number on my phone. Um and he called me a post he, he told he basically said that I brought a post gamer vibe to every situation i was in this is in 2010 so he was really ahead of the curve on like yeah it's cool to be a gamer but it's better to be a post gamer um anyway i think that that's my vibe it's like regular guy who has played video games his whole life i have not played every final fantasy right but i went through the list I played Final Fantasy 1 when I was a kid. I played Final Fantasy 4 when I was a kid. I played Final Fantasy 6 when I was... Uh, probably I didn't finish 6 until college is probably what happened. I probably think I finished it on, like, uh, emulation. I played 7. I watched someone play through all of 8. I did not get through 9 or 10. I watched someone play through most of 10. And then, like, I I played a little bit of 11. And I played a little bit of 12. And, uh, you know, I played more than a little bit of 12. I played, like... A half of 12, maybe more than half of 12. And I played the beginning of 13 and really keep going, wow, I really want to go back and play 13. I keep not having the time. And I played 250 hours of 14, uh, Rebel Reborn, not original, um, and, and its expansions, and I, you know how I feel about that. And I played, like, most of 15 at launch, which means before any of the DLC and before it had... Like, all of the stuff that I think people really like that got added to it. But I played enough of that to know what that game is, right? And so it's like, I'm not a completionist. I play Tactics and Tactics Advance, right? But I'm not, like, I haven't played a lot of the ones that people love. Like, I know people love 9. I haven't touched it, right? I have not played 2 or 3 uh, or f- uh, 5. Wait, 5 is, yes, 5 I've... No, I don't think I've played 5 at all. 5 is the one that's, like, very job-focused. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yes. Not played that one at all. Um, uh, so it's like... I have, like, a smattering of it. I have enough of it to be, like, I know who the summons are, but I'm not your Final Fantasy. And I'm not a Final Fantasy person in the sense that I have no loyalty to the Mm -hmm. franchise. I have no – this is a way in which I think you and I, you know, both of you and I will end up differing on this. uh, Or not differing, but I'm curious to have this conversation, which is they could make the next Final Fantasy game a shmup. And I'd be like, all right, you fuck me up, fam. Like, yeah, whatever. It's a it's a name on a box. I don't care. I don't care about what goes into a thing that they put Final Fantasy on the box for. It doesn't matter to me. And so that, to me, I think is going to be – that's important because it means I came into this being like, yeah, all right, let's go. 
Yeah, Final Fantasy. It can be an action RPG. It can be Devil May Cry for 60 hours or however long it's going to be. I'm fine with that. Uh, it can be Game of Thrones. I don't care. Like, that does not dissuade me. They're not betraying me as someone who's been a lifelong fan of the franchise in any sort of way. And nevertheless... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're going to find us resistant to that idea. But we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. Uh, this month, did you play anything that wasn't Final Fantasy 16? Did I play anything? Yeah, I played. Um, we streamed Lakeburg Legacies, which is like a matchmaker. Um, uh, it's like it's like Crusader Kings minus the assassination and focused. It's like a it's like a a town builder. It's like a city builder. What's this game called again? It's called Lakeburg Legacies. Okay. Lakeburg with a with a U. The Berg is with a U and Legacies. Okay. Really charming art style. Um, it's a city builder with again a focus on like interpersonal relationships between the characters. It gets a little eugenicsy, you know. Um, you're like marrying people off. You're, like you're working with a fortune teller to like find good matches between Procgen people. Uh, and you know, there's like events and they're cheating on each other and they're you know falling in love at work and they're it's like that type of thing, right? It's very cute. Uh, Janine and I streamed it over on Friends of the Table on Twitch, um, and that was fun. I feel like I probably played some other stuff too here and there, but like who could say? Right. I downloaded Front Mission First Remake, which I seems bad, but I'm going to pay for all these fucking things. So it's le- it's less than a month. It's less than a month until they let you in to the real shit. That's true. Armored Core. You're right. Um, was, I'm going to be yeah. away from when it comes out. I'm going to be <laughs> not in my own house and not near a console. You, you look, you're trying to you're trying to cl- cash in your clout score. Presently. Can I tell you, I got a response basically immediately. <laughs> yeah, we'll thought, see how it develops. I'm not gonna, <laughs> okay. you know, who could say? Yeah. But I am trying to cash that in. You know what? What's the point of having it if you don't use it? Exactly. I was I was watching the uh, trailer for that and the like the the extended gameplay stuff that came out, just being like, man, this looks incredible. So I hope, it, I, I hope they're making an armored core like game. Like, this yeah. is the funny thing. Whereas I just talked all that shit about. Anybody who's like, well, Final Fantasy has to be XYZ. And nevertheless, the thing that I'm so excited about with Armored Core is like, wow, they're making a level-based Armored Core game. Um, they're making one of those. And the truth is, I would also have been happy if they were going to make an open-world Armored Core game, if they were going to do the, the Armored Souls thing. I would have been fine with that. Um, but but I am a different specific type of excited for the idea of like, Armored Core 6 is going to fit into the lineage of the Armored Core games, which themselves have changed a ton over the last, or over the last, but over their, their two-decade run that then stopped about a decade ago. Yes. Um, uh, so, you know, excited. How about y'all? Yeah. Jackson, your uh, turn. I've not been gaming otherwise that much. I've been continuing to play uh, Diablo with friends uh, and getting kind of frustrated with it, but it's fine. Which meant that I then pivoted to downloading Last Epoch on Steam and playing a bunch of that, which is the uh, action RPG for fucking nerds. Uh, Wait, why is it for nerds? So, uh, you, you know Path of Exile and the, the, the ridiculous skill tree and how that's for nerds? Yeah. Uh, this, is, re- this is worse? No, 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 no. This is pitched as that, but you'd have to look at a guide. It's like, oh. it's basically exactly what I want, which is where they've looked at this genre, which I like. I like getting loot. I like clicking on guys and they blow up. Um, uh-huh. But the thing I actually really like is looking at like the skill tree and figuring out 
uh, ways in which things synergize, ways in which I can mm-hmm. make cool builds. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, most people aren't doing that. They're watching a guy on YouTube. So, like, Blizzard yeah. has to balance for the people who are watching the guy on YouTube and then can just steamroll everything. Uh, whereas I need the game to be slightly unbalanced because I, I'm not cheating. I'm not, I'm not, like, figuring it out ahead of time. I don't want to solve it. I, I, I find the fun in finding the solutions. Uh, and this one seems pitched at trying to be the, like, okay, uh, yes. every skill unlocks automatically and you can use any skill, but each skill has their own skill tree to specialize into a different version. Oh. You can respec uh, instantly. Um, they, like, changed how... Uh, uh, like you know, you get little bonus powers uh, on everything, and they have a whole crafting system that's mostly about adding and changing uh, powers on your uh, on your gear rather than the way the rolls normally work. There's this thing called like you, every item has a certain amount of item potential, and that's how much crafting you can do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just a lot of systems that feel designed around this exact thing that I'm looking for, and I'm like only ten yeah, hours. Yeah, this in, sounds right? great. Yeah, it's it's a, like it's not fully released yet. It's still in early access, um, but um, it's absolutely the one I'm betting on for like. Th- might be my long-term ARPG to fuck about in. Uh, and I've had a great time so far. Uh, this is my favorite thing about um, this type of RPG is the yes. build stuff. And it's actually the thing that I like. I think I might be a Final Fantasy fourteen person despite it all if <laughs> there were builds in that game. Um, and and I could feel... Because so much of my, my beef with Final Fantasy fourteen as people have heard me complain about it back in the day on Waypoint Radio, uh, is the lack of expressivity for my character and the decisions that the writers make for my character in moments where I'm like, oh, that's not what I would do. That's not what this guy who I've made, who I've poured all this time aesthetically making look cool would do. Um, and there, therefore, the only place that I have expressivity in this game is, and like, one, I feel friction on the decision making that the character is being forced down, right? The, the story path of the character is being forced down. Like, for instance, helping, um, uh, a millionaire run a salt mine with refugee laborers, for instance. Um, uh, Weird. That, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, that does sound familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, um, cool. uh, for instance, that, uh, but like, the only vector for expressivity is visual. And, and at that point, yeah. like, what, I don't want to play an MMO where I like have a custom character at that point. What I want to do is just play a regular video game. And you can tell me like what the character feels and you can, you can, I'm in a different positionality to who the character is. But mm-hmm. in an RPG where I'm like, making choices and like d- designing the character part of that expressivity often comes from build making for me and it's like i want to be a guy like this is very simple but like my fucking mass effect guy came into focus when i got when i when he became a vanguard in mass effect 2 and rushed across the room shoulder charging people right like i also was a vanguard in mass effect 2 it fucking rules and it communicates something about who that character is right i replayed yeah. i replayed those mass effect games a ton back then and so like when i played through the game again as an infiltrator who like could turn invisible that's a different. That feels like a different character. Yeah, because I, I played Mass Effect One as an infiltrator and Two as a vanguard. Radically different experiences. Radically different games. experiences, and the character feels different. And you can in fourteen. Fourteen is about finding a class, and the class yeah. is your expressivity. But in, even inside a vanguard, you could then fuck around with your builds, right? You could be the person who's charging in and regenerating your shields. You could be the person who's charging in and blowing up your shields for for extra damage or whatever, right? That might be a three thing, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like when yeah. you have those build choices, they can really communicate something. And so it's like in 14, it's nice to be a red mage or whatever. I love being a red mage, um, but I would love more if I was a certain subtype of red mage that I figured out. And so, and not just fine. doing the red mage rotation. Exactly. Not just doing the yeah. red mage. The closest thing I've had to that feeling in 14 was figuring out how to lay out my rotation on a controller in a way that felt good. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's the same rotation that every other red mage yes. does. Uh, and so, yeah, Jackson, last epoch sounds cool because like the thing I like from, 
RPG, one of the things I like from RPGs is being like, okay, what type of weird little guy do I want to be? How do I want to yeah. string these things together? What's the, uh, the Path of Exile thing has always felt overwhelming and felt like there is a definite, you know, most efficient good path through this thing. I'll never do it because of that, you know? Yeah, taking a peek into this world, like, there are people who are playing Path of Exile in the theory crafting way, but it seems much more like community focused. It's right. much more about like, I've got this idea, and this other person tried this, and we build a build guide. Oh, sorry, you mean Last Epoch? You said Path of Exile. No, I mean I mean Path of Exile. Oh, um, okay, okay. Um, because like the thing is simply too complicated to look at that tree and comprehend it all on your own without your diving own. into the community right. knowledge. I see what you're saying. Um, and last ebook seems much more about like I can spend half an hour reading the tree and think, oh shit, that might connect with that, and like because right. it's it's making that connection that I value. Not if I don't actually care which build is more efficient. Right, I'm not playing the numbers game. I could just go play Cookie Clicker, um, right? Which is fine. There's, there's there's appeal to that. I'm I'm not here to like dismiss that, but it is examining the sheets and finding the like ways things connect and synergize uh, myself that I find interesting about those games. Yep. Um, so yeah. I've I've been doing that with uh, with Last Epoch and having a, a good time. I don't know how much time I'm really going to spend with it. My computer is eight years old, so it's not mm-hmm. the best um, for this. Uh, but hopefully, I, I will have a new one by the time 1.0 comes out in like a year or something. Um, but that's where I that's how I've been spending spending my time this month. Besides all the million other things we've done. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, after I finished 15, uh, 16, I was like, I need to play some games with like jump buttons and clear mechanics and they're short. Um, so I played uh, Valis, the Phantasm Soldier. It's my first game. Um, the original version of this is a 1986 uh, yeah. platformer by Telnet for the MSX uh, PC 8801-9801. I think they hit all those kind of the same time. I played the Genesis version of this, um, which was also by Telnet, but came out later, obviously. Um and Valis is a series, it's Telnet's kind of homegrown series about a, a Japanese schoolgirl in like the late mid 80s who gets isekai to a fantasy world and given like, you know, a magical sword and bikini armor and does a side scrolling action game. One of those. Mm-hmm. Um, the two and three are probably the most notable ones because they were like on CD ROM systems. Um, I guess they're also probably on Genesis, but. Um, uh, it's just a straightforward. They had like, like, they had, like the anime oh, cut in, like yes, it opens thing, with right? like a big long anime cutscene of her like yeah. standing waiting. Like the rain happens, she didn't bring her umbrella, and the, the mysterious girl at school comes up to her and says something enigmatic, and then she gets isekai and the goddess is like, "You're going to be the the magical soldier." And she's like, "No, I'm not." And she's like, "Here's your armor. Go out. You you can't say no to me. Um, you're going. Now go do some action uh, platforming." Yes, um, and. Uh, I would say it's like a it's like a bad Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> it's sure. not like a it's not like a bad game, but like it is very <clears throat> simple. You run to the right. Um, the original games are much more maze like because they're PC platformers. Sure. Um, Genesis game is much more like just run forward. You, you get power ups for your sword. Your sword lo- not only levels up, but you get like uh, Castlevania like magics. I guess like Ninja Gaiden has magics too. Yeah, they operate more like the Ninja Gaiden ones. Um, and you play it. That's it. Very straightforward. I have nothing to say. I enjoyed it. I know two and three are the ones people like because um, this kind of was like a re-release that was like, we're going to bring the original game in line with where two and three went, but it's still a much simpler game. Um, right. Uh, well, like, and it's then, like, it's like one of these things that's like, oh, it's giant sprites and yes. <clears throat> like big colorful levels. And yes. Yeah. Which I, um, again is a thing I think about a lot <clears throat> in relation to 16. We'll get into it, but like. Um, you know, on one hand, do not give into astonishment. On the other hand, there is value in like being amazed at some spectacle sometimes. 
Yes. So. Uh, speaking of spectacle, then I played Castlevania Rondo of Blood. Let's fucking go. Now we're <laughs> well, talking about video games. <laughs> um, so I am an infamous Rondo of Blood hater. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> we are at war now. Um, I'm something of the dominant of Rondo of Blood, uh, <laughs> and I'm the dominant of Blood, and I'm going to come for you now. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so the thing is, like, I played Rondo of Blood before. I just was, like, going to revisit it. I was like, I'm going to give it another shot. I liked it more this time. I, my main problem with Rondo of Blood is, like, in the context of someone who didn't really grow up with action Castlevania, I started playing Castlevania with uh, Circle of the Moon on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, it's Never played a Castlevania yeah, before. Yeah. Um, so all of them I've kind of played in modernity, like going back and looking at them. And um, in that sense, um, I think Rondo of Blood gets not like wrong um, praise heaped upon. I think it's a fine game. I think it gets over-exaggerated praise as the prequel to Symphony of the Night that never came out in America specifically. I think that... Yeah, I mean, sure. This is for the, system, the for game facts ideology is like 100% they they let they took this from us. We were supposed to yes. have this. We didn't get it. It's goal it's 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 manna from heaven that we were yeah. you know disallowed. Yeah, sure. Um and so in the context of the other two games that around it, which are Super Castlevania 4 and Castlevania Bloodlines, um for the Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's the I think it's my least favorite of the 3. Um wait, even compared to the, Super Castlevania 4? Super Castlevania 4 is weird because I, I don't enjoy playing it, but it's yeah. just doing so much flashy shit. Um, it really is just like Super Castlevania 4 is a game where I first time I played it, I was like, I don't really like this. But then I've every time I revisit it or like watch someone play it, I'm like, man, this game's really neat. It's got a bunch of stuff going on. It does have um, a bunch of stuff in it. That's it does. Uh, I love Castlevania Bloodlines. I think Bloodlines is incredible. Bloodlines is, is, incredible. Bloodlines is like, um, way, it's really like funny. over maligned. <laughs> Yeah, it's really funny. I think the level design is interesting. It's trying to do the Super Castlevania 4 tricks, but on a Genesis, which can't do any of the things the <laughs> Super Nintendo can do. <laughs> so it just has this kind of like stapled together, like barely holding it to it cohesion quality to it. Um, Rondo of Blood is on, you know, the Turbo Graphics. It's the CD-ROM version, so the music's incredible, but it's a very straightforward Castlevania game. There's not a lot of like fancy shit happening. If you just want, like, it is like the sword and board of Castlevania. You're going to move through the levels. You're going to whip guys. You're going to kill Dracula. Um, This time I played mostly as Maria. And I found out, I I just like playing as Maria in this game. I think the Maria path is, like, really interesting. She's a cool character. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I enjoyed Run of Blood revisiting it more than I ever have. I still am like, I think this one is overblown. I don't think it's bad. It's not like, it's not like Castlevania, uh, what's the first adventure? The the first game of the game. game It's fucking terrible. (laughs) Um. But, uh, yeah, that's it. I, I played through that. And then I played Top Gear for the Super Nintendo, uh, which is a game that I owned as a kid. Um, this is by Gremlin Graphics. Uh, this came out in 1992. They're, ga- they're a bunch of Amiga developers um, from Sheffield. Mo- a lot of them went on to form Sumo Digital. Um, wow. making racing games. Those fuckers in are yeah. uh, And this is one of those, like, mode seven racing games you yeah. know mario kart asked there's four cars and 32 tracks which seems unreasonably unbalanced to me <laughs> i have like deep memory of playing this game before going to a funeral and oh yeah, and sure. as a kid and being like i just want to play my car game more <laughs> yeah. i don't want to go to my great-grandmother's funeral i'm a terrible person <laughs> See, I would say that, but not have the I'm a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, raised Catholic, so yeah. uh, re- really in there. 
any excuse to hate oneself. Um, and it, it was fine. I I, I, I revisited it because I want to play Top Gear 2, which I know people like a lot because it has more. I think it has more mechanical, like, backgrounding stuff about, like, taking care of your car and stuff. This is not that. Mm. Um, this game, even when you play single player, has, like, a horizontal split screen where right. the C- CPU, your rival, just becomes the bottom screen because they assume people are going to be playing this two-player. Uh, the career mode feels very perfunctory. Um, but uh, music music slaps. Top Gear music is... Uh, famous for a reason yeah that's that's because it's a bunch of amiga guys making music uh-huh. <laughs> was it um is it connected to the show is it no, predate the show way yeah, before the show. show okay gotcha uh no um weird fascists in this game <laughs> that we know of that we know of. that's true <laughs> Yeah, no, this was this was like Chemco's like racing series that went until like the mid aughts. Right. The last game is Top Gear Downforce for the DS in two thousand six. That does sound like a DS game to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was it. I, I started Octopath Traveler two after finishing sixteen, but I'm not very far into it. I have nothing to say about Octopath Traveler two. Other than I started that. It has it's charming up top. Yeah, I hear it's better than the first one, so I need to. That's what I hear. Also, I I'm need not to figure out what I'm doing next one. with my life, game wise, so badly, <laughs> and I, I think it, it's going to be either committing to Octopath to uh, Triangle Strategy or um, the other, the other, the uh, oh my God, Tactics Ogre, which I didn't finish mm. but put some some time into and liked a few months ago. Um, but I have to make a decision there, and that's hard, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I think that's everything, so we can hit some music and get into the video game.
our game club this month is Final Fantasy 16. Uh, published and developed by Square Enix, uh, specifically Square Enix Creative Business Unit 3, everyone's favorite. Uh, uh, this game came out June 22nd, 2023 for the PlayStation 5. Currently, it is on nothing else. That's correct. It'll be on PC in 18 months. I don't know. At some point in yeah. the future. That's probably right. Yeah. Uh, Jackson, what happens in this video game? Oh, come on, come on! <laughs> um, in this game, you play as Clive Rossfield, who is uh, the... Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, but he lives in, in a place called uh, Rosaria uh, in this land of Valestia, and Valestia has a bunch of um, various uh, nations uh, that all have their own mother crystal, and they're all fighting over the resources that are being threatened by the Blight, uh, a strange and mysterious uh, land-ruining uh, magical death. Uh, What's a mother crystal? Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> mother crystal is just where the energy comes from, and the energy comes from mother crystals. They break them off, and they get little crystals from them. These crystals can do magic, but some people can do uh, magic without the crystals and those people are, are called bearers uh and they are uh enslaved and used as like human power sources uh for the various societies in valistea this sets the stage for the game uh in which clive uh is the uh first shield of rosaria he did not become the dominant uh the dominant he's, the- he's the he is the bastard first son of the duke how do you feel about john snow um, that's true. But what if John Snow was at John Snow was actually Dead Stark's son? John <laughs> well, Fire. Sure, but he's not. He's not like. There's a whole point where Joshua's the pure blood one, and he like Clive's mother is not pure like nobility. Uh, yes. Um, but uh, anyway. <laughs> So he he isn't the dominant. Joshua got the power of the uh, the phoenix, which is the icon, which is nor terms I haven't introduced yet. The icons are the massive big summons. All of the world, all of the nations with their own um, uh, crystals uh, have been seemingly blessed by various icons which are like god powers they're like narrative like narrative you know narrative where a guy becomes a big kaiju it's like that it's literally just that and all the villagers have one uh just like all the nations in final fantasy 16 um so uh clive's nation gets completely wrecked by a surprise attack uh by another nation and uh he spends 13 years uh as a like slave soldier for the uh the empire right um and what what's their name? The Crystalline Dominion, I think they're called. Uh, is that right? Sam, it's that Sam Breck, right. but I'm like, which one's the which which name? What's the, what's the actual yeah, word I'm looking actual, for? I thought the Crystalline Dominion was the one in the middle, but maybe that's wrong. Where like um, the, at the end, all the stuff happens. But yeah, no, no, Holy Empire of Sam Breck yeah, is okay, so Sam Breck is the actual Holy Empire. Yes, yeah. you know what? The map screen does not matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can yeah. move it along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's working for them, uh, but then like 13 years later, gets busted out uh, when a whole bunch of shit happens. He runs into Jill, his childhood friend, uh, who has also uh, become a dominant uh, of Shiva. Uh, and had been operating as a slave for uh, another nation, uh, Dalmechia. And they are both kind of busted out by Sid, uh, who forms the uh, Third Way faction in the middle of this, uh, living in a broken-down old ancient airship in the Blight, saying, like, we have to free ourselves from the Crystal's control, uh, free all the slaves, and uh, stop using the uh, like Crystal's to power things, because then we can live on our own terms. This sets the stage for the actual fights, uh, which becomes like Clive 
originally accompanied by Sid, but Sid uh, dies halfway through and there's a time skip, but it doesn't really change the arc of the plot, which is uh, all of the nations fighting over what happens while Clive goes through, takes out all the Mother Crystals, uh, uncovers a conspiracy that this was actually all perpetuated by Ultima, uh, a god that created all of humanity um, as a way to escape the blight himself on a different world and humans are just like a part of that machination uh he did not count on these humans gaining free will and having their own conflicts over the power uh and says you should all stop this fighting because it's all making you miserable and go back to what you're meant to be which is just pawns for me uh clive says no i punched him a lot uh and he dies and ultima's like well now what do you do now that you've got freedom and he goes i don't know but it's better than this because he's doing the jrpg plot the one plot from a lot of these games uh and that's uh kind of how the the game is a lot of other stuff going on there i can't go into the you didn't say joshua anywhere near as many times as you needed to no also he's accompanied by joshua this entire time because most of the mystery is about what happened to joshua uh in the attack on rosaria uh and they're both going on their own studies of like um Clive's taking out the crystals, but Joshua's with his secret society working out what's going on. There's a bit where they meet in the middle uh, before the time skip, and he briefly like traps Ultima's uh, essence inside him. Uh, it doesn't seem to slow down Ultima much, but I guess it does, because it does take five years for things to kick off again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, throughout the game, they finally team up. Uh, it is their power combined that can defeat Ultima uh, and awaken the power of human will against the gods. Uh, in the big final fight, Joshua... Uh, Joshua dies and uh, Clive uses the last of his magical power as he kills Ultima, thus banishing magic from the world to resurrect Joshua uh, and dies himself as he sacrifices himself to bring happiness to the land uh, is how the game ends in the cutscene. There is a, I think it's a little argument. more ambiguous than that, but I think that's probably yes. right. I'm with well, you no, on that read, but, <laughs> yes, but also massive <clears> they're going to make 16-2 and <laughs> it's going to be Joshua trying to find Clive and then finding him. And then he's oh, just wait. You're, you've not done no. the research. Oh, you've not, you don't know. You don't know. There is a huge argument that what actually happens at the game is the complete opposite of what actually happens at the end of the game. Okay. Uh, what? <laughs> the end of the... If you un- don't know that the end of the game we're not bringing this up again, okay. Jackson, for okay. the record. If you open no. this box, we, we're not talking about it because I think it's stupid and a waste of my time. I just but want again, to know. So the, the, the final cutscene shows... Um, like the post credit scene you're talking about now. Yeah, the, the very final cutscene shows the uh, the Final Fantasy book written by Joshua. Right. Uh, the story of the game, the War of the Icons. It has become legend. Uh, the In inter- a world where magic doesn't exist anymore. Yes. The or, does, or it's always fairy tale, depending on how you read it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the interpretation of uh, a lot of people relies on some readings of a few side quests talking about how Clive's going to uh, uh, put down his sword and take up a pen um, and lines in the Jill quest about how when she sees the sunrise, she knows Clive's coming home. That is actually Joshua who stays dead and Clive who comes back and writes the book under Joshua's name. Ah. Which is simply not what happens in the cutscene. You're like using, <laughs> using the idea that if Clive took up someone else's name before, he'll do it again, which is not how, that's not what any of that meant. Here's the but thing. Okay. I would fully believe that they would do this. I don't think it's true, but I'd if it, if this is what it was, I'd go, yeah, that's what this team would do. Sure. Why fucking not? <laughs> it just baffles me that you would make a cutscene, like the emotional cutscene of your game, that's a lie. Like, why would you lie about the, the most important scene of your video game? <laughs> um, and that's what 
fundamentally a lot of the theory crafting is doing is saying that like the end of the game that is the big tearjerker moment uh isn't true and i'm like what why would they why would they do that it seems like a completely made-up idea but yes uh that's first the, of all the most important cutscene in the game is the one where clive and joshua unite and become one person that is what the game is uh, and so if what you told me is that that's actually what happens at the end, that they join consciousnesses and become one that being. That's specifically not what people are saying. I'm making my own prediction yeah, now. No, that's fine. And it's it's Liquid Ocelot. But that would for be real so much time, cooler. It's, you know how his arm is all fucked up at the end? He, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he lives on through this arm. Through this arm. <laughs> yes. That's right. Man, that's a good game. Uh <laughs> Anyway, that was a kind of bad uh, summary. If you haven't played the game, you still won't understand what's going on. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, I mean, that like, is that's what it, happens. right? Is that like yes. the, the the there's kind of like three sections of the game, and it's like this very long intro setting up the idea that it's a it's a dark fantasy world where there's warring nations and all that politics shit matters, and that continues like through like post time skip that like the beginning of it is like you're running this kind of terrorist organization between these gigantic wars, and you're trying to like find moments of opportunity while the big while the big guys are fighting to get your win in you know um and 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 take care of blow up the big mother crystals do do a bunch of fantasy 911s on on mother crystals um that's like the first third of the game mm-hmm. uh, and then the middle part of the game is what happened to my brother i need to find my brother I'm going to reunite with my brother and then like repercussions from the first third and things get way more anime and shonen and like you get into this is the third I like this is the third you like right and this is like Titan and and uh, Bahamut and you're like going to fucking outer space and you're you're doing big anime shit right you're there's war there, there's still war and stuff but it's much more I'm having a fight through the through the streets of a of a city under siege and then fighting a big god right and then there's the back third of the game which is all really about the Ultima stuff and I say the back third because like the final f- ten missions release there's so many side quests during that section that like it it stretches as long as the first third of the game does uh, maybe it just feels mm-hmm. like that but like it goes and goes and goes and that ends up being mostly about the ultima stuff who's the big villain and also a little bit about his like main puppet guy uh barnabas who's like the dominant of odin and like he's gonna try to sweep in and kill everybody and bring everybody work for working for ultima and like the tonal swings between those are both Kind of big because of how ridiculous the Titan and Bahamut fights are, but also it never really commits to any other tone anyway. Um, you know, I think that the, it, it mostly <laughs> there's things that it's consistent with all the way through, and those things are hating women, being afraid to go as hard as Game of Thrones would go. And I'm not even a Game of Thrones guy, but like, you know, they cut off a character's head. Uh, and then never show you the head. They refuse. Game of Thrones would have fucking showed you that head. You know what I mean? Um, they're cowards. Uh, and, 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 and totally like it never actually gets anywhere distinct. None of the plot beats get to like another Final Fantasy game wouldn't have done this. Um, yeah. it's just like it's rendered slightly differently. It's a guy looking to a box at, a, at what is a, apparently a head or what you would imagine as a head instead of just being mad that someone he loved was killed. But the other fa- fact, other Final Fantasy games would have absolutely still had guy who was mad that his lover was killed, you know? Um, so you talked about the first third being about being a terrorist organization. Um, none of that landed for me as, like, impactful because specifically you are 
the nice rogues who like mm-hmm. are fighting clearly cartoonish evil slavery. Um, right, that's the other big plot that we didn't really, really dig like, into. Like right it now. just it just is like a, a mushy, you know, liberal. Everyone's some sort of power source tied together in this thin affiliation. I think um, the liberalism comes in later. I think the the shit around like we're gonna go blow up. What because you the hmm, I think part of the mushiness, I think that you're right. I think part of the mushiness comes from that they don't know how to depict slavery. No, um, yes. no, it's it's in really any bad. fucking way. Um what they're depicting is peasant relations, uh that occasionally also have a second tier of lower peasant relation via the like you'll meet peasants who also own bearers and that's where their wealth comes from. But the the wealth the thing that you see bearers do is not wealth production. It's servant work. So it's like, it's like you'll find uh, bearers can do magic, right? And so the magic that we see them do, you would think it would be about um, working the crops or mining. And you get a little bit of that. But what you mostly get to see with your eyes is trimming hedges or um, stoking fires, stoking fires or drying clothes that are already hanging outside on lines near where windmills are. Wind is happening already. Just leave them on the lines. Use your slaves to do something else. What are you fucking doing? There's no real depiction of what slavery is in any way. And and then we get into the liberalism. Because I think the liberalism mm. really hits in the middle where you start yeah. to engage with dealing with freeing slaves, directly engaging with monstrous slave owners. And then what do, you, what, what do the slaves feel about being released or... There's lots of slaves who miss their good old masters throughout this this fucking game, and it's there's, nightmarish. There's a point where, like, after the first intro stuff, uh, and you deal with the first mission, and you meet Sid and everything, like, about four hours in the game settles, and you go back to Rosaria, uh, and there's immediately a side quest about how, oh, we kept your slaves on ice for you, uh, yep. owner of the royal family, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening, guys? Because um, It's wild. The, I can't stress enough how loaded the slavery metaphor is because it's not they're not just like it is a double layer thing of the uh bears in this game are both like directly a metaphor for like actual real world chattel slavery like not they're not doing that in the you know portrayal because they don't know what that is um but that is like what they're trying to do they are invoking this and the other thing they're invoking is like um jews in nazi germany who are mm-hmm. they all have they'll have a you know they're all tattooed right which is like the uh armband and there's entirely there's there are multiple quest lines about like this person we didn't know they were a bearer and now they've been exposed and like what does the like distrust of the people around them do uh when it turns out that this person's like the slave class uh, mm-hmm. that we round up and i'm like these are unimaginably loaded topics for a final fantasy game like th- if you're going to touch this stuff you have to be extremely careful about what the imagery means what you're saying uh, and it's just used in such a half-hearted like i mean, show thing, way i don't think you need to be extremely careful i think you need to be extremely good at what you're yeah, doing well, yes you this could be an exploitation film style Absolutely. thing about burning down the slave master's house like i'm here for it let's fucking go but it doesn't ever hit that because on paper, what we know about the world is different than what we see and experience in play. On paper, the entire world, like, this might not come across based on what we've said. No one uses technology for anything to the degree that in that final post-credits cutscene, there's special attention paid to the fact that someone starts fire with flint and steel. Like, people are not doing anything 
in their lives without the use of magic. Magic is, is fundamentally technology. And, and so on paper, when you destroy the mother crystal in a place, which means they don't have access to the little crystals that you can use if you don't have a slave around, a magic slave around, you're eliminating the ability for daily life to continue. And that is Part- sick, but they don't show that in action. We don't part go of, back of, to Sambrek after the Mother Crystal is destroyed. Part of the weirdness of that is it is revealed that what Sid has been doing in while he's also freeing slaves is building John Galt's trust of intellectual yes. property yes. to meter out to the world once he liberates all the slaves. Yep. Yeah, that's like uh-huh. a climate change metaphor here about the blight, but then the heart of it is like, actually, we've already technology, technologically solved climate change, uh, and we just need to pivot to using that. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, the worst version of that to me is, did y'all finish the side quest about... Oh, your, we did all... We, we did, did all... So did I. So did I. So there's a side yeah. quest towards the very end yes. where you and Joshua recover your your inheritance um, from your father, which includes yes. a letter from him where you learn that good old dad was going to free the slaves, he was going to build hospitals, he was going to invest in the Green New Deal, (laughs) he was going to get us off this magic. It's such a shame that he was betrayed by his evil wife, one of three women in the game, and maybe the evilest of them all. And she is, I genuinely think she's the worst character in Final Fantasy that I've played. It's so bad, dude. It's so fucking bad. It's such an embarrassing, like... It really is the Game of Thrones stuff, which we should ground this a little bit, right? Because it's yeah. it's was it the director of this who went out and bought Game of Thrones for everybody on the team? Is yes, it, um, I think it might have been was it Yoshi P? Was it Yoshi P? Who's the producer? Yoshi, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Yoshi P is the producer. The director hasn't really given much. Uh, like he does, he doesn't do PR like Yoshi P does. Right. Uh, so it's right, hard to right. say exactly like what the truth and what like just the PR narrative are putting out. Totally. Um, but um, uh, yes, the thing they said was that like. In 2018 or whatever, they had the whole team watch all the Game of Thrones box sets available to that point. Well, it feels... And again, I'm not a Game of Thrones person, right? But, like, there is more to Cersei Lannister than the Manipulator. And that's why people enjoy the character. It's that the Manipulator also has some degree of interiority. And I'm not saying Game of Thrones is not misogynistic, right? Um, But the mother... What's her name? Hannah? Annabella. Annabelle. Annabella. Who's Hannah? Hannah is a dead character. Hannah is another woman who dies or something, <laughs> probably, right? Um, anyway, Annabella is just I, I just like my bloodline, my legacy must continue, and that is the whole yes. of the character. She she betrays her entire family because she thinks it's her the duty of the nobility to form the purest bloodline. And she's going to do that, which means betraying your family to hook up with the actual Holy Emperor right. and get an evil child who actually might not actually be a person. It's hard to say. I think it's so hard to say. It's so hard, hard to say. And also, if it seems like Ultima wanted that to happen and or is manipulating that stuff. Is that manipulation so that Clive can become a better vessel? Is that a backup plan? Um, I I am remi- reminded of the incredible co-host post from uh, my friend Sullivan about uh, about um, oh Palpatine uh, Palpatine pivot uh, yeah, pivot <laughs> exactly uh, it's it's uh, this Jedi kid is wicked strong get Jedi in deep with clone army save some clones from Jars for later just in case pivot make the Jedi kid evil don't need Separatist guy anymore got a new evil guy and to me that's Ultima. 
constantly pivoting towards new evil guy, new plan. Is it is it Joshua? Is it that I'm going to infect Joshua from inside? Is it that I have 16 copies of myself buried in the mother crystals across the um, the planet? The thing, the thing that needs underlining, if you do not play Final 16, is um, what we're describing could be fun, but Ultima is the Prometheus alien right. who talks like this at all times with the flattest affect you've ever seen it's rough <laughs> and like intellectually like, oh it's because he's an unfeeling god that doesn't have emotions and uh blah, blah but blah, it's blah, boring blah. it doesn't it's matter if it's abs- boring it's unimaginable i cannot stress how boring the last stretch of this game is uh as yeah. you go from you cut between either barnabas who is also equally boring <laughs> uh yeah. and ultima uh and they're just reading out the wikipedia page for human instrumentality to me for three hours uh it's yep. like so i'm like i've i i know i know the themes the themes you're showing to me are not unique i've seen them a million times before do you have like a angle on them and the answer is not really right, uh, like this is not even the bad guy is right but too much it's no. just what if the the final plot really is what if you could kill human suffering with a sword? Um, uh, I guess it's not true. It's human suffering. The, the thing that Ultima believes is that humans getting free will leads to their suffering. And also it's distracting them from their true purpose, which is breeding until one of them is strong enough for me to inhabit. And then turn them back into not even turn them back into slaves because that's the other thing they eject from the free will like all the lead to barnabas's stuff at least has this barnabas is doing the thing that villains do which says free will hurts us i'm going to take away free will people will be will live pure happy lives again because they'll be unified in purpose they won't have all this basically huh when they're dead. I what, feel like Barnabas is like a well, death cult guy. I don't right? think so. Like, this is the difference. I don't think Barnabas is because there's a reveal in the final Ultima conversation that's supposed to be like the other shoe dropping where Clive is like – Clive or Joshua is like, you would turn us all into your slaves again. And and Ultima is like, there will be no purpose for you to exist after the ritual. I'm just, going to um, kill you all. And that seems like news to to Clive. I I think that's just Clive being an idiot because Barnabas <laughs> Barnabas is the the uh, the dominant of Odin. His whole purpose is to cut people once they die. Right, he runs sure. a kingdom of ghosts. Everyone's gone or gone Akashic. Like there's nobody left. I mean, I think he wants everybody to be Akashic again. That's what I actually yeah, think that, he that, wants, that which is, is that death is what in our minds. But for him, yeah. he's like that's pure living, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, there is a side quest that uh, thinks he might have a point. <laughs> which one is that? The oh, one the where one, you go the, find the, the one cult. wayward guy of Joshua's, like, Assassin's Creed guild, um, <laughs> and he's just taken up residence in this place where people want to become Akashic, and they pray to become Akashic, and they all become Akashic and, like, march away, and he's like, "I that was the first time I've actually felt something holy. And it's like, what are you talking about? I killed 8,000 of those guys. <laughs> That'd be a way cooler thing for the game to be about, but it's just, like, a thing they dangle on the side quest that never really yes. mentioned again. <sighs> and we're leaving out another thing about Ultima, which is... It turns out that Ultima's body is just dark Ifrit. Uh, Ifrit, yes. rather. It's just <laughs> fucking the Sangwon Cho, uh, Cho uh, Marvel movie skit. But it's like, what if there's dark Iron Man? What if Doctor Strange <laughs> fights evil Doctor Strange? And you You're literally spend the end of this game fighting dark Ifrit after, like, the whole, the, all of the... So again, the thing I said at the beginning is like, I, I want to make sure I don't stop. 
I want to make sure I stop and say, I think there's lots of very beautiful shit in this game visually. I think there's lots of really gorgeous vistas. I think the game generally, I think the, the textures on fabric look really good. I don't think that that carries it. Um, and I think that there's like big explosive uh, spectacle in some of the fights. Uh, I think there's actually too much of it. I think that both the Titan and the Bahamut fight go on way too long for my personal taste, but they fucking are doing the thing that people like. And I, I want to give them mm-hmm. that. Uh, but to then end though, the, after a series of fights that are like wild, huge, um, uh, maybe not inventive, but explosive to then go to like, what is a pretty mediocre one against Odin? Uh, and yeah. then, a, 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 then I'm fighting dark me in the finale is just, what are you yeah. doing? The, the, the thing that that struck me with when, when he pulls out the dark Ifrit suit, basically yeah. is the Titan. The re the one of the things I like about the Titan fight is it's pure, like tokusatsu cheese right. at that point yeah. which is why like, i don't like it, it as much frankly it literally but ends it is doing a rider kick yes. through the head of titan yes. right <laughs> um and so often in those towards the end you get the bad guy being the like dark mirror suit and they you know they, ha- they have to build these suits and they're expensive so you have a battle damage suit that you paint black or blue or purple gotcha. and you put the guy in it right and that's that's what it evokes to me but that only works if it's meant to be like a knockdown grudge match between two guys who like hate each other, probably because they used to love each other. Right. Right. right um, and right. that's where the, the heart of Tokusatsu stuff, when it works is because you're emotionally invested in the melodrama, of the characters, um, right. there's no melodrama to, uh, to Ultima. He's a nothing man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very strange. <laughs> uh, also, also uh, go ahead. I just want to say um, the Titan Bahama fights do go on too long. Um, the other thing is that they are genuinely like 50% shot for shot lifted out of uh, Oscar's Wrath, the 360 right, game, which right. everybody should play if you like the, the icon fights in this game, because that game whips. It's got a bunch of cool anime shit. And it's 10 hours long. Love yeah, we, that. That's great. We, re, we replayed it and did an episode on that. I'm like, eh, yeah, it's kind of it's whatever. It's like didn't, we've watched anime now. It's it doesn't set our world on fire like it used to. Uh, but I think compared to 16, it's much more. It's like first of all, like say, it's 10 hours long. Um, yeah. And there's more boss fights. So the like ratio yeah. of stuff you want compared to someone boringly talking to me uh, is just infinitely in the other direction. Mm-hmm. I think we have um, a billion things to still talk about. But before we leave this ultimate final thing, the final act sucking so bad. I, yes. I think a big thing for me also is that you spend how I don't know how many hours I put in this game. Right. I, I played it for like five hours a night for what felt like forever. So who knows? I was at like 35 hours. When and I you were way too fast. I was like 56. I think I'm probably closer to 50 also. Yeah. Just in just in terms of nights played. I was like, this is what I did after work every day. For a month, except this for is what four I did. Days. Yeah, I did three weeks ago. I spent an entire week on this, and then I was like, I'm so sick of thinking about this video game. Uh-huh. Um, I like got sick when I finished. Like, I was not. My voice sounds worse today than it did last night. You know, I think when you finish a game that you really like, and you're like, Oh, I wish I was still in that game. I oh, I just put 80 hours into this thing, and I love it so much. And like, I'm sad that it's ending a little bit. I'm happy I, I wrapped it up, but I feel kind of like, damn, like I really like these characters. I hmm, yeah. I'm, uh, and then normally when I play a game I hate, I have the opposite reaction, which is like, yes, I'm fucking done. Slam dunk. Get the shit out of here. I am actually having the first that, – that feeling of emptiness inside of me of like a missing piece. But it's like it, a missing piece where a black hole goes. Like it's just bad. It's just emptiness all the way down. Oh, it's, it's the Blue Efreet version of it that thing. It is the Blue Efreet version <laughs> of the good feeling. Anyway – we had this recently just finishing like Gundam Seed. Like I'd been, I'd been yes. considering a thing that was just so bad. Like Gundam Seed is terrible. And I, but I had to perceive it 
and it's yes. it's void for so long. It just lived inside <laughs> me. And this wasn't like that because I got through it very quickly, thank- thankfully. Um, uh, but it had um, a similar effect. Well, it's like I haven't played a game this long, I think, in a minute. And I think that that's mm-hmm. part of it, right? It's like I'm spending all this time in this world and these characters. And uh, the end of it sucks so bad that, like... It pivots off of pivot off of so many of the bad things. So many of the things that I thought could at least be kind of interesting to me, the player. So, for instance, you spend thirty hours, or you spend the first two acts of the game, two two thirds of the game, caring about these or, or being informed about whether you care or not. I don't know, but being informed about these different empires and these different political mo- motivations and machinations, and of course, it's all subsumed in the the big you know, galactic evil plot of the space alien, you know, interdimensional alien uh, ultimate shit and free will versus determinism or whatever. But it's not just that that happens and, uh, and then you get to have that fight and be done. The last full act is fighting against people who don't believe anything or are monsters. And this is a, a game that spent 20 hours being like, there's a bunch of political differences between these groups and they have different beliefs about how bearers should be used. And they have different beliefs about the gods. And we're, Hey, we're going to go over here and deal with Jill's story for two seconds and introduce you to another faction that we're going to wipe off the map instantly because we don't actually care about who Jill is. Um, and the Our final will wipe off the map for her for the record. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Of course. Yes. Um, she doesn't get to do anything. She's literally always just off screen. Um, uh, the fact that she doesn't involve herself in the Bahamut fight drove drove me crazy. Anyway, to spend two thirds of the game being like political motivations and ideologies, and then the and like again, not done well, but like that's what that's what the focus is. And then for the final third to be, you're fighting zombies. You none of the people you're fighting believe in anything. They don't care about anything. They are ash zombies. That is it. It'd be like you know how Mass Effect begins with you fighting. Mass Effect One begins with you being like, oh my god, there are these weird undead monsters, and then like it turns out that there's all this deep political motivation from Saren. And you know, again, I'm not. We know Mass Effect has its fucking issues, right? But structurally, you go from they're mindless zombies to oh. The Geth have interior culture. The, the, uh, you know, Saren has some sort of reason for what he's doing. Uh, this is the opposite. The game starts with you believing that the world is filled with people who have ideologies that are in conflict. And you might hate some of them and you might like some of them. And you might think, you know, I hope De- I'm so glad Dion fucking killed his evil younger brother. And then it may- maybe he can, you know, unite that empire. And then like, wait a second. Am I rooting for the king <laughs> to-, to reclaim his throne? I yes, guess yes, I, am. I am. But he's kind of hot. So it's fine. Um, uh, and then you're like, all that's gone. The final third, none of that mattered. It's just Ash Zombies all the way down. And that's just not a good way to cap off the thing. Which, Game of Thrones also does this, to be clear. <laughs> Game of Thrones does also make it be about fighting a big Ash Zombie army at the end. But even that was like, and also you have inner character, interpersonal motivations and debates around characters and shit. So, ugh. ugh. And also I mean, no the, one likes the that thing- bit of Game of Thrones. Like, if, if You're right. everyone and then fucking they, hates that in the Game it. of Thrones. Yes! Um, the thing with Dion is uh, the the prince who f- will hopefully someday reclaim his kingdom and restore it to glory, who betrayed his like father and family, yeah. who joined your party, 
uh, and has like ties to your lore master or whatever would be great if you introduced him in like hour eight and not hour 38. So you right? get that little fight of him early. On. You get my favorite cutscene, yes. which is him and Odin sort of fighting each other, but that's not even the part of it I like. The part of it I like is the guy who turns into Bahamut has to hand his spear to his boyfriend or take yes. his spear from his, be like walking through the war camp, you know, through the tent of the, of the, of the war camp, takes the spear and jumps off the cliff to turn into Bahamut. And when he's done, he like lands, turns back into a person and hands his halberd back to his boyfriend and like swoops his hair away. And that's princely behavior to me. Yeah. But he's just, he's not in it enough. No, and he agreed. basically exists. He exists as a function of the plot to sideline Jill to carry everyone to the final boss. Yes. You 100%. were a slave to his empire, like at the start oh, of the yes. game. It doesn't fucking come up. years. I, I want to go back to starter because we complain about the end of the game, but I don't think yes. it starts well either. So I need to, um, because so like the game begins and you have this ninety-minute prologue section mm-hmm. uh, where you're introduced to Rosaria, to Jill, um, to Joshua and Clive. Uh, I think it's kind of bad, but in the way ah. the game often is, it just it's just it's long, it's over long, it's, it's long. not very. Yeah. Uh, efficient about introducing its characters which do, is, they, do they know joe was a dominant when they kidnapped her to be your like best friend uh i don't think so because she's not even kidnapped by the people that attack she's she's got by other guys she isn't she more of like a hostage to be your well, best yeah, friend she has a, she has a w- political ward yeah, she's a crusader she's king's part of the nobility of another country yeah, yes yes um but so that all starts and then the uh, the big attack happens uh and then clive and um joshua get into a big uh icon fight not really realizing the other ones involved uh and it ends with clive killing uh joshua asterisk uh, it ends with clive seeing a hooded man who is unidentified but i guess is ultima. supposed to be ultima, ultima looking like the hooded man of joshua in the future right he does look like the hooded man yeah. i thought this game was gonna be a time loop for 30 hours i thought it was gonna be a time loop for quite some time also and also, also like then this. you have to swallow the fact that clive somehow doesn't understand that he was ifrit for a long time yeah so when I when I beat the demo, which is like a week before I played the rest of the game, I got to this point. I was like, you know, it was kind of rocky with how the storytelling was a bit uh, poorly paced. Um, but uh, I like this big inciting incident. And in, yep. in my head, I saw the path of the game uh, uh, ahead of me. And I was like, okay, uh, so you're going to follow Clive, which is what they've advertised. But I bet Joshua was going to be like a second protagonist who has a very different perspective on what happened that night. Uh, and they will come to a, uh, you know, immovable force, unstoppable object, the other way around. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clive versus Joshua would be like the bulk of the game before they presumably teamed up and fought the final bad guy. Um, and that does kind of happen, except there's no actual conflict. There's no bite to uh, them uh, doing that. Because what happens actually is you skip forward 13 years and Clive has been a slave in the army for 13 years. Uh, has not developed th- any thoughts about slavery, though. Has not developed any thoughts about anything. And within uh, about 15 minutes, he uh, immediately betrays his entire unit, who are also slaves, keenly. Like, they are also, you know, oppressed by the Empire, uh, and, like, they want to go back home. They don't want to, like, save Jill in this moment, because moment, they don't know who she is. They're like, well, our positions will be more secure there. Uh, but it's not like he's just, like, betraying his master, right? There are like, interesting positions there uh, in this unit. None of them really matter. Uh, these characters are wiped off the board immediately. It's just, like... 13 years of Clive's life are five minutes of inconvenience before literally every character he's ever known, including his dog, uh, are handed back to him. And I'm like, that's the conflict. That's the story. You've just thrown the story away. Uh, As he goes back to the obvious good guy side where there is no, like questions about what to do anymore. Cause Sid just explained, this is what we do. And he's like, okay, cool. That's what we do then. And I'm like, but isn't the, 
Game of Thrones has a lot of different characters with a lot of different perspectives. And there's the thing they're uh, ripping off, but there's not a third group of guys in the woods uh, who all know the right thing to do at all times. And that's fundamentally what Sid is. But wait, is I mean, this not the... what Jon Snow is in Game of Thrones? No! Okay. No, he's, he's I've not watched the, enough of it to, to know this. Um, the thing the thing is, they don't even get into the part where Sid was one of the generals of the Empire. Yeah who only betrayed his people when one of his guys had a bearer kid, right? Uh, when it became personal to him, he took his, his his squad into the desert to form his own little, like, enclave. He was already That's the dominant of Ramu in a cutscene in, in a side quest. So he was already the dominant of Ramu, but was not... That's seemingly, that's seemingly the implication, right? Is that he was the... Because they say that uh, it takes a long time huh. once, once a dominant dies for the other dominant to appear, right? right. Yes. Even though we see Joshua transfer it like instantly as he's dying, but whatever. That's a kind of different thing, but yes. No, it, it isn't, because once you die, the power like goes into dormancy until another dominant is born. I did not read what happened with Joshua at the end in Clive as the normal trans- transgression of power in. Uh... But the, it, if it hadn't, the, he wouldn't have Phoenix at the end. But wasn't that it doesn't matter. This is the logistical bullshit about the yeah. magic system. Uh-huh. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, um, I want to care because. They've built a, uh, an intricate magic system that they've then also said is the lever on which the world turns. I yes. want it to be evocative and to make enough sense that we can talk about it without stumbling over it. And they didn't do well, that. So, so Clive can take the take the magical powers of the other dominants. That's right. his that's his ability as the the extra one that no one knew about. Um, you who's and- never existed before. Right. There's not yes. been an Ifrit in every generation. The again, Ultima's plan has been let humans, you know, work their way towards this without mm-hmm. free will. I don't know how they would have gotten here without free will. I no, guess just I genetically they would have got. We don't know who 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 uh, Clive's mother is, I guess, then. Right. No. That's going to be no. in the fucking DLC. Uh, that would inc- that would involve writing a fourth woman. They're not going to do that. No, no, no. We're just going to learn the name of her. <laughs> okay. She's going to be the medicine girl's mother also. It, isn't, isn't Annabella Clive's mother? No. This is the thing. It comes up in a, in, a, in one of the entries is that part of the reason she doesn't like him. I mean, the big reason is yeah. she, he's not Phoenix, right? He's the older brother, yeah. but he didn't become the dominant of Phoenix. And I believe there's a thing somewhere that's like, and this has led many to believe something's off with the bloodline. But the I, thing is, she okay. would know. She would know if it wasn't him, right? She would have had to have ha- had him. So I thought it was purely the um, the dominant thing. I did. I thought that like she would, you know. I thought it was her kid who didn't get the dominant, and then she switched to the one that uh, did. That did. Um, I didn't. I yeah, didn't maybe. think it was like there actually... is some line somewhere that is about not being clear about his heritage. Okay, well, I, I didn't. But I, didn't I don't know. Get yeah, that specific yeah. line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense when you're you're the mother saying that. <laughs> That's not how things work. Yes. Um, anyway, um, the thing about the magic system that is weird is uh, when Clive gets Jill's Shiva powers because he absorbs powers from everyone um, after they have sex. Yep. In in a very cringe sex scene, whatever doesn't doesn't bear mention besides that. Um, but it is implied that one flows from the other, kind of naturally. She opens herself up to him, and then he gets the Shiva powers or whatever. Um, he takes Benedictus powers uh, as like the first accidental one um, and then triggers her emotional and mental collapse as she remembers times she was sexually assaulted, which underscores to the game's theory, like 
themes that Clive committed sexual assault magically to Benedicta and it made her super crazy. Yeah. Which is maybe the worst part of this game to me. In, in the metaphor, like Clive's power is a like violation of, uh, consent and like bodily autonomy but only when he does it to women with this this this, this lens literally not used uh, when, he, when it happens yeah. with the guys like he takes dion's power and uh, then dion is it's also, also applied to titan it's also applied to titan because but it but it's a, a sort of like um it's sort of oh, like you a mean the guy he cucked, yes. according to him. Well, it's like he cuts him and he cuts off his arms and, and emasculates yes. him right yes. um but again so again it's like it's like he has he has taken his virility from him by removing his big strong meaty arms uh yeah. and taking you know so like and again yes, life benedict it yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's it bad because there's the whole yes, bit where so- he's like seeing clive and benedict hooking up i'm like that's not what happened at all but i guess he thinks that he said whatever i don't he also <laughs> does it dion but don't worry it's fine with dion <laughs> Dion is able to just Dion. It's normal for Dion, uh, which might also line up with something. I don't fucking know, guys. I think it might be bad. It might be bad. Um, the Dion's Benedicta gay stuff. for the the listener who doesn't <laughs> yes, know this. Like yes. Dion is. Yeah. We see Dion very briefly from afar kissing the the boyfriend who holds his spear. You know. Yeah. It's so funny how chastely gay he is compared to like uh, Clive and Sid, who are actually fucking homosexual in every single cutscene. But like, uh, I mean, the- it, it specifically <laughs> Otto, literally Otto's backstory is: I was in love with Sid, and I cleaned up after all of his messes. Now he's dead, and I don't know what to do because my husband's dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, that every one of the like straight guys is like extremely on the high end of the Final Fantasy. Uh, we are just doing homosexual like subtext at all times. Um, and the time they have an actual gay couple, it's like very staid and restrained because like we can't do anything bad here. We have to do the representation right. Yeah, they're they're MCU they're MCU gay, right? right. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's well, really how. It's and then and then and then it's like just to be absolutely clear, right? Like formally, structurally, this is a game that's in a lineage of like boys love brocon shit a hundred percent with the, cl- mm. the the centrality of the Clive and the Joshua stuff. Um, how you feel about that is extremely up to you. And, uh, I, I am, I totally understand that there are people who even hearing me say that that's a, a read of this are being grossed out. Go do your Google searches. This is how the, the narrative is received because it's structurally built uh, around the, the bond of two boys who are separated from each other and then reconnect. Um, I don't think there's, of course, a big, uh, Joshua Dion fandom out there. Joshua, Joshua's <laughs> huge loving embrace of Dion in the final act comes out of nowhere, but is very funny. I thought it was going to be like writ because when he, when he shows up in the like, bo- like on the field, like yeah. table room or whatever, yeah. there's a bit where Dion's like, I've been greatly enlightened. I'm like, what, in like a way that I'm like, is this innuendo? What are you talking uh-huh. about? <laughs> yeah, it should have been. They're, they're very cute together. But anyway. Uh, I do think that like, the, the fundamentally the story is about the two brothers and their relationship together mm-hmm. and their love for one another and their undying like loyalty to one another against all things. The, the game wants you to believe at the end that Clive is like, I'm only here because all my friends helped me get here. But it's Joshua. It's Joshua the whole time. It's Joshua when they're doing a quest for Jill at the end that's explicitly <laughs> about how Jill is sad, but is really just about the boys hanging out again. The, the symbol the symbol of Final Fantasy 16 is Ifrit and Phoenix chasing each other. Correct. I mean, again, the the moment of climax in the narrative is when they unify together as one being to fight Bahamut. Mm-hmm. They're they're a technical stepbrother. Yeah, it's brothers all the way down in this game. Yeah, uh, the power of friendship stuff is very strange in that like 
the whole final fight that he like goes through all of the powers he's taken which the game has portrayed as like a he is a weird weapon collecting everyone's powers not as a friendship i am powered up by the wishes of others goku spirit bomb situation right but like the metaphor shifts in the final moments uh to just to have the like they just kind of do the mid fight from Gurren Lagann, like the, you know, he punches the guy through the chest. Uh, uh, and the thing, they get every character to say a little line when he does this. And the thing Jill says is together. And I'm like, well, not that together, because she's no. at home. Yeah. <laughs> One more time. We've left you behind. You couldn't put another person on Bahamut's back and fly in there? Like, what are you talking about? And, and they're I mean, like, oh, it's because you still have powers. But you also took Dion's powers and he's flying you there. There is no yes. mechanical reason why Jill isn't in that final battle. Why, I mean, again, why is she behind? In, in the Bahamut fight, there's a... So in the middle of the game, you go to confront... Uh, you go to the, to the Empire to meet up with your buddy and do some, some Empire shit. You're going to go for the crystal. And while you're there, um, uh, Bahamut, Dion, has, has, you know, gone wild and is just destroying everything in a rage that you will later find out comes from the revelation that Ultima has been manipulating his family uh, and and that his, his you know, now stepmother, who's your, your Clive's actual mother, maybe, we pretty, we're pretty sure actual mother, um, uh, has, is also manipulating things via Ultima and has had this second kid who's maybe going to be a vessel for Ultima, uh, who could say, um, uh, and has, is going wild. And in this sequence, Jill is standing in a room next to Clive and Joshua's mother and the little baby prince, who were terrified and hiding in that room to begin with. So they weren't, like, going to escape or something. You know what I mean? They found, like, the one seemingly safe place left in the city, kind of, and they're, they're cow, you know, they're, they're, they're there hiding. And then you and, and Joshua go to fight Bahamut in an hour long, like, there, there are moments in it where you're like, oh, they're fucking done for. It sure would be cool if there was a third dominant here on their side. <laughs> and there is. And she's just off screen and she stays just off screen for the entire fight. Like they forgot that she was there. It's unbelievable that they're like, they go to space. They're getting fucked up by a big dragon. And Jill doesn't even show up to put like a shield up for a second. I. Yeah. The women in this game, and here's the grenade that I said I might throw into this. I gave it some thought. I think this game is less misogynistic than Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Like, I think that this is a important thing to understand about the way art works, is that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is filled with deeply misogynistic art, visual art. I think that it is filled with, like, lots of fan service. The titties be bouncing in every <laughs> single scene, right? Like, the, the camera is ogling women constantly in that game. Also, they exist with motives of their own. Um, they often talk about the plot or are part of the plot separate from their relations to the main male character. It's goofy. It's a harem anime. Like, it really is that. Like, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 100% has the, all that bad shit going on. Uh, uh, but, the women in it don't have to be reduced to Madonnas or whores, um, or, or worse, right? <laughs> because like, Benedicta, the Garuda dominant, yes. is like hypersexualized, um, seen as, uh, is a victim of sexual assault, is, uh, finds that she can, that sexuality is one of the only levers of autonomy she has in her life, um, uh, is brutalized and uses a political pawn. Um, uh, and the camera is never on her side once, right? The framing no. of her story is terrible. Jill is sidelined constantly. When she isn't sidelined, it's because she's someone who needs to be saved. Um, uh, and all of her positive experiences in life re- come down to, 
I think Clive loves me. Clive loves me. And then Annabelle, the mother, is just the devil in a dress. And yeah. those are the primary women that you interact with. There are a handful of side characters. Karen, the the shopkeeper, doesn't have a real backstory in any way. Martha is a slave owner, but she's a good slave owner. Like, the way she frees slaves is by buying them and treating them well versus Sid. Uh, Martha specifically sets them up in a small town, and then everyone berates them when they're not uh, grateful enough yes. to be set up in this small town, yes. which is the ruins of another town that normal people used to live in. This is correct. This, yeah, they get lectured by not being... For not bootstrapping themselves enough. Yes. Yeah. This this side quest, I, th- I think it's either this or the um one with uh, the guy in the desert town, uh, which is the craziest thing in the game to me. Uh, yes. And there's an entire side quest about how uh, you and you know your small business owner rebellion, because that's apparently what Sid's rebellion is. It's all the good small business owners are taking over uh, from the evil tyrants of government uh, and therefore ending slavery, uh, which is literally the game's worldview. And then they start berating the slaves when they're not grateful for being freed. There's a there's a bit where you go and you got to deal with like the Duke of Oriflam coming in and fucking up the like town, yeah. the one town that's like functional because it's run by like the Madam of the Brothel. She's like the soft power leader of the town. Mm-hmm. And what you do is not kill the evil Duke. You get him to see her point and then they form an accord and become the new ruling council of the town. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, because of the like, they introduced the, the evil zombies right at the end of the game. The entire game's focus comes to we must bring unity uh, because of the uh, external yes. threat. So all material differences are just completely fucking erased uh, whether you own slaves or not. And I'm like, Last time I came through this town, there are a bunch of side quests about how innocent children uh, thought that bearers were dogs and were burning them alive. What the fuck uh, are you doing? <laughs> right, I forgot about getting to Sand Wreck for the first time and you get those, you get these two side quests back to back that are <laughs> so laughable. It is child uses dog, pretends to be in danger so that bearers will show up and he can feed them to the dogs for play. Yep. Yes. And then the other one is little girl doesn't understand that her slave is a, is her not pets. a literal plaything, is a person yeah. at all. Little little girl thinks that her dead now dead slave was a toy she could play with. And the monologue you give to her at the end is you must treat them like a person because they have a family too. And I'm like, ah, what's happening here? Um, um, my favorite part of all that is as you run through the, the fields of abject suffering, yeah. um, the ominous slavery music plays. And then 10 feet away when you cross into the town boundary, just the normal ass, like, chill town theme plays, you go around doing these horrific side quests over and over yes. again. Well, and I think this is part of the thing is the game wants you to accept that many people live in a a society based around chattel slavery in which they get to just be normal people who are good or bad. There there is no sense that regular people are complicit in the suffering, which, again, the game barely shows, right? The game is not particularly interested in showing actual mundane day-to-day suffering, um, despite how much people yell about how much they've suffered. Um, I, <laughs> to the to I the think, degree that the whole final yelling match with Ultima is Clive saying you don't understand suffering, um, which is extremely funny also because the Ultima's people had of course been genocided, uh, so it's that doesn't add up either. Um, the game just doesn't is not consistent on this, but mostly I think that like the failure to show what mundane life would be like in this space is 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 is, is not a failure; it's a decision because otherwise you have to just admit that all of the people in the society are holding up a system of, like, absolutely terrible oppression for a, a tiny minority of people who make the entire world work. 
Um, right. And they don't want to do that. They don't want you to hate every townsperson. And like the the um the hideaway, right? The people in the hideaway, you have like the best blacksmith and the best business yeah. person yeah. and uh you know the best gardeners ever. And they're like and all these people are against slavery for some reason. And, and um and I, I say mean, some, some of them were slaves like, is the answer, right. right? Well, some of them were slaves, but some of them weren't. Um, and so like the game takes being against slavery as a default moral position because it is a game made in like 21st century liberalism but it wants to set itself in a world where like believing in slavery is an embedded part of like everyday life Mm -hmm. and the um tension between those two things is never resolved i think the the most interesting part of of this is like we mentioned this briefly is is a uh, quest later on where you go to get the other blacksmith he does use slaves um right and but that quest isn't actually about that it's mostly about whether we should open source the fact that we can do this without slaves or not <laughs> um, like oh we did build the technology to use actual furnaces should we open source this even though there's the loaded imagery of like he's only forging weapons because he has four people literally using their life energy to put fire on the flame you don't actually talk to those people those people don't get perspective you don't see what like how their lives have changed by any of this it is just a discussion between like oh we should uh let this black we can trust this blacksmith with the good technology uh yeah, I just really want to underscore this. The yeah. setting in this game is not nobles have slaves, which lets them do things better or easier while they live their lives of luxury. It's right. that the entire, I know I said it already, but the entire world runs on magic slavery. Daily, regular tasks, turning your stove on, right? Yes. Um, doing your dishes. It's all done through magic. No one learned how to light fire or turn them. I mean, I guess there are windmills, right? Uh, and that we don't see. And that's the other thing. I actually think this is actually my biggest complaint. Um, you know how that I have feelings about larger than life godly beings um, uh, coming into combat with each other. When divines fight, millions die. I love it. I, it's great. Shout outs, shout outs to being a person who tells stories about big godlike beings coming into conflict. The other thing I think about a lot when I tell those stories is, what are all the ways that having a being like that would change the setting? How would the people that that person's loyal to want to leverage them? How would they want to change the world? And it's mostly not by fighting. If you could have someone like Titan, your entire world would be, your entire culture would be different because Titan is infrastructure, right? Uh, this yeah. motherfucker can turn into a giant who can devastate the the land during combat. Well, that means that he's probably really good at excavating too, right? You can and make we a reservoir don't... in about fifteen minutes. Say that again. You can make a reservoir in like fifteen exactly. minutes, right? Like, exactly. The world changes. It were, and we never actually get that as how dominants are used ever. No. And that's bizarre to me because, like, that's the juice. That's the stuff we don't even get that as how bearers are used generally. It's not like. You know, world if we had bearers image. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they haven't, they, they've used magic slavery to achieve, um, middle ages tiers of prosperity for very few people. <laughs> like, it's nothing. Um, and, and so like, to, it's a, it's a failure of imagination to not have Garuda be spinning your, your, uh, you know, hills and hills of windmills for you. Right? Like, yes. at least give me that, because then I'm a little more bought in on the creativity of what you're doing and, like, how these cultures are shaped by the dominance that they have access to. Let Ramu, you know, the idea that, like, Sid has all this electricity power, like, it'd be sick if the hideaway had electrical lighting because of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or something. 
Um, uh, and I'm not saying like you should use the slave. Uh, this is not a moral thing I'm saying. I'm saying this is a world builder. You can leverage the thing, the, the big monsters you have it, when the monsters are literally people in ways that are not just they fight big sometimes. And they just don't do it at all. They don't do it at all. Yeah, it just it just doesn't even like enter the possibility space one way or the other. How'd you like playing the game? <laughs> Let's talk uh, about graphics. Let's talk about gameplay. Um, so the thing the thing with the game is you you started this podcast saying we were both big Final Fantasy fans, which is true, but we would be really like the idea that we might hold on to what a Final Fantasy is supposed to be, which. Both of us are huge fans of uh, Team Ninja's Final Fantasy Origin Stranger Paradise, mm-hmm. which sure. is a much better video game than this one right. to play. I still have a theory that because like I was looking at the development timeline, 16 took a long fucking time. And I'm convinced that Nomura saw what they were making and was like, I can do that better. Um, because it's like it's got the uh, protagonist who's like fucked up and swearing all the time Mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of blood uh, and wants to like go against the world to make things right through violence Um, and it's like the action game Final Fantasy it's doing like a lot of the same things I just think um, uh, a lot better which is not always how I feel about Nomura's work right Um, right but it did it did go this way with A Stranger Paradise um, and so I'm not, I'm not opposed, like, you know, we all mostly like 7 Remake. I think I'm the most cool on it. This game made me much fonder of 7 Remake, uh, yeah, I'll tell you yeah, what. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm not opposed to Final Fantasy becoming an action RPG franchise or anything else, honestly. I would like it to be a good one, mm-hmm. is the thing. And when I look at this game, it's not comparing it to prior Final Fantasies where I think it falls down. I um, mean, as a video game, specifically, all the story stuff would be the story critiques no matter what kind of game it was. Um, it's that... I look at its component parts. I look at like games like The Witcher Three, and I look at uh, Devil May Cry Five, and I look at Dragon's Dogma, mm-hmm. and I and Osher's Wrath. I'm like every one of these games uh, clears this easily, and you can play most of them in the time it takes to play sixteen. It's so uh, yeah, everything but The Witcher, you're in. Yeah, yeah. I haven't finished The Witcher. I, I thought about this a lot. I, here's a note I have: Why am I not playing finishing Final Fantasy Twelve? Why am I not playing The Witcher? Why am I not playing Tactics Ogre? Why am I not playing Vagrant Story? Why am I not watching yep. Game of Thrones? Why am I not reading Hollow, which is the book that I'm reading right now? Like yeah, I um the next I, can I read the next note, which I think is important and gameplay yeah, related. Sure. Why can't I knock dudes off cliffs? <laughs> that's the dragon's dog i was yeah. like watching playing this like my my single favorite fight in the game is not the titan or, or uh bahama fight it's clive as a human versus garuda as a giant beast mm-hmm. um early on in the game but the reason i like it i'm like what i want here is for dragon's Dogma 2 to come out because that'd be fucking great because dragon's dog was a great fucking video game about a guy with a sword <laughs> fighting giant mythical beasts yep I saw someone trying to compare 16 to Berserk uh, online at some point um, because of this part. And it's like, that's just not what the game is, unfortunately. Like, I get it that, like, you know, some of these designs are reminiscent of some Miura monster designs here and there. um, But, like, that's not – Guts is doing a different thing, truly, uh, than than what Clive is doing. Um, So – but, yeah, I I think that that's that's the thing, right, is that, like, those are the comparisons to make. Um, Yeah. uh, Can you – this is just like an Austin curiosity thing. Yep. You are yeah. both character action game people, right? Yeah. Uh, I like a character yeah. action game just fine, um, but I don't – It's not, I wouldn't put it in my top ten genres probably, right? Um, I don't know. I would too, but okay. <laughs> you wouldn't or you would? 
I'm I'm not character action brained like Jackson is. Okay. Well, I'm, I would I, love to hear I'm Jackson. Brained. I would love to hear you talk about what work like what is it that pulls you to character action in, in a really broad sense, which I don't mean in like I'm not trying to cr- critique your taste, right? Yeah. I I really want to know because I think that can help situate the conversation about what works and what doesn't work here. Because partly I don't know what I like about character action. I just know which character action games I like and which ones I don't like, and I don't I haven't done the work of unfolding that a little bit. So I'm hoping that you doing that can enlighten me. <laughs> About my own taste a little bit. Specifically, I feel like I'm an action game sicko, not a character action game sicko, and that is a uh, distinction that is kind of dumb. Uh, The genre lines are a bit weird, Um, but I think it does uh, illustrate a large divide in a lot of the reaction to 16's uh like action gameplay in that some people really like it they think it's so cool they think like final fantasy's never done anything like this whereas i think this is kind of laughably limited i have one sword i have one combo i have no elements i have no like thing like every battle is the same because all of the they're all the same kind of like few moves a couple of them uh like uh, area of effect things on the ground that I dodge, uh, but fundamentally the health bar never changes, the will bar never changes, the way I stagger things never changes. The game is the same in every fight to me. Um, right, right. I guess for people listening who didn't play it or watch any gameplay, like it's a th- it's a third person action RPG. You're doing uh, you're doing character action stuff like in Devil May yeah. Cry in the sense that you have some moves that will do like a pop up. Um, the moves are literally you have a base set of things that are core to who you are that are always slotted in. You can upgrade the upgrade. Uh, upgrade those just a little bit and that's like a charging dash or a precision dodge like a perfect dodge that slows down time for a second or a parry um and then you have three sets of two you three slots for your overall icons so and each of those has a base move so you slot the icon into one of your three icon slots and that base move is like Phoenix will let you do a charge across the, the, the map. Garuda will pull someone towards you or will pull someone down if they're half staggered, which I found very clutch. Ramu lets yes. you do a sort of like paint the targets and release a sort of like a uh, mine that will stick to them. Titan has like a, ca- a block and counter. Bah- Bahamut has, Bahamut and Odin both have like super meters that charge up and Bahamut does an AoE. They both do AoEs. They both charge up an AoE, uh, different, different ways. Shiva has like a sidestep dodge thing that frees um and then each of those icon slots has two ability slots which you can put in by default any uh you know ability equal to that i from that icon set of abilities which each icon has three main abilities that they are three it's three right yeah uh, abilities that you can yeah. slot in so again as an example phoenix uh, uh which is the one you start with has like a charge forward with your sword that is actually a really good cleaning up weak mobs ability because you can kind of like skewer them on your you don't actually skewer them but like you pile them up on this dash that can move around in a goofy way it has a uh like a big aoe almost like limit break style short animation thing that heals you and does a bunch of damage around you and it has like a, a wave like blast like a like a long range cross blade thing that can like intercept incoming ranged attacks and counter them um and so each of those has three and then eventually if you invest enough points you can mix and match so like by the end of the game i was running garuda but i didn't have any garuda abilities i just wanted the core garuda the core garuda ability the the grab enemies from afar or or stagger you know double stagger someone Mm -hmm. but i used those slots for a bahamut ability and a lightning ability Mm -hmm. or something i think yeah yeah uh, um, so my two things here are one, as Jackson said, you're just a sword guy. Um, when you turn to Garuda, even though when you fight Garuda, Garuda has claws, you don't become, you don't get like gauntlets where you're correct. a claw guy now. Yeah. Right. 
Um, which is, I think, is a fundamental difference between this and most other character action games. Where, like, I'll use Bayonetta's example. Yeah. When you fight the big claw boss in Bayonetta, you get the fucking claws, and you when you use those, equip those claws, you get claws, and you stop being a gun user and you become a claw user. Um, and you would switch between those. Is that that's how? Yeah, and li- I'm not a Bayonetta every person. icon has weapons associated with them yeah. that is not big sword. Uh, so the, the groundwork's here. The other thing is you get a magic blast you can do in between combos. Um, yes. It's, I think, a default. What's it default set to? I moved it to L1. It's on triangle. Um, default. default set to triangle, yeah. 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 Square, 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 um, square. Triangle is a common use. Uh, my, my button, Those buttons have been hit a lot in the last 60 hours or whatever. But, yeah, I set it to L1. Um, yes, because like... Jackson's recommendation. The actual intended use is to like hold down triangle while also doing combos on yes, square. and then you or, let go and charge that up. Makes sense. Yeah. That is literally... Your fingers can't do that properly. Yeah, like, that's that's I, I could, but like... What's on L1 um, by default? Switching icons. Oh, sure. Yeah, which is now, which was my triangle. That makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, every time you get an icon, it's like, oh, and your magic blast turns to, like, Shiva's ma- ice magic. There's no elemental weaknesses. There's no elemental weaknesses in you this are, game. A, what are you doing? You are, so you are a fire guy, specifically. Like, Clive's a fire guy. You get Phoenix, you get Ifrit at the beginning. Like, the first 10 hours of the game, all you have is fire. The first time you fight a bomb... I was like, oh, well, I can't use my magic mm-hmm. on this. I can't power up my sword because I'll heal the bomb. Because then f- bombs are big f- monsters that look like genuinely just big bombs um, that are fire guys. They're classic finalizing monsters, if you don't know. I feel like everyone probably yeah. knows. Uh, but just in case. And the thing with Final Fantasy um, and most JRPGs is if you hit an enemy with the obvious magic that they are aspected towards, they will absorb it. It'll heal them. So I'm, I'm like, oh, the, the fun of this is going to be that I can't use any of my normal attacks and I have to wait until I get ice magic 30 hours in because you actually get ice magic really late. No, all your magic is, there's no elemental weaknesses. You just, I think there is, there are elemental weaknesses under the hood, but they're never, you're never punished for using the wrong one. Yeah. Um, I do think that some enemies have elemental weaknesses that do slightly more damage. I feel like I've noticed that in the gameplay. I did not double check this. I'm looking. Um, I don't think that there are. But at no are. point does an enemy start absorbing your magic. No. Which is right. There's like definitely the not thing that. I would do. Yeah. Uh-huh. If it's there, it's like very small, like five yeah. percent numbers that aren't really being surfaced. And and so this is the like philosophical character action different thing. And the people who really really like this game enjoy that everything is viable at all times. All combinations of all moves can always be done, uh, and you can experiment and push it forward. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the. Um, and this is what I meant by like. I, I will action. say for the record, oh. interrupting you before you continue. Right. I think that would be interesting if there was more build variety, and I just don't think it's there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But this is the difference between character action and action. These are nebulous genres that are kind of the same thing. But when people are talking about character action games, they often mean games with an expressive moveset, right? Like games where, like, your action isn't this just is efficiently, yeah. like, uh, you know, efficiently doing the damage that you need um, because it is about, like, oh, if I do this thing, I can combo into this thing and then I can combo into this thing. Uh, and so all of the, like, people who really like this game are finding a lot of joy in the uh, the either the uh, training mode or just, like, how much can I get that meter up in a stagger state thing? Like the, I did a 2 million stagger damage because I got this combo, the combo into this, and finding these exploits. Um, and that's kind of the like uh, enjoyment that is present in the system. Uh, that's right. the thing that people are latching onto, uh, which I don't give a shit about. <laughs> uh, so I, it was very little. Uh, I, like... I think, generally, in my way I play action games, uh, prefer for the complexity and the interest to come from the enemy and boss design. Like, I really like Dark Souls. I like playing Dark Souls sure. with uh, a sword, right? And right. that's not... The sword swings one fucking way. Um, you know, Elden Ring, you can do some guard counters. There's some stuff there. Uh, but the complexity... And you might find the... a sword that's, that has, like, a thrust that you really like more right. than the... Or the, the broad sword that has a big sweep. And that's what you like. So there is still that choice-making, but you're making it at the equipment level, not at the moment-to-moment. 
as yeah. much. And like the moveset in Elden Ring, let's say, is uh, massively reduced compared to 16. The amount of options you have uh, compared to 16 is like exponentially tinier. Uh, but every boss fight is radically different because the moves define the pace of the fight uh and here i thought like most of the bosses uh and uh, enemies just kind of felt very similar they did similar attacks at similar intervals that i would dodge and then i would do a combo Mm -hmm. um i just didn't feel like the enemy design pushed me into doing anything interesting ever um which is the thing i consider to be most important did you i'm like fully in agreement with you i basically had a i I messaged y'all like 20 hours in when i got bahamut maybe when i was like i can't Mm -hmm. fucking believe I've unlocked multiple additional Titans and none, maybe it was one I, or not Titans, Icons. Titan was the other one that like, this isn't, I, my shit is better. The shit I've been doing for 20 hours is, is so much more efficient at clearing this and nothing is. That's how I felt when pushing. I unlocked Odin. I didn't like Odin at all. Oh, Odin so. is fucking open. So by the end, I had a set that was right that like, I did find a build. It was still basically the same thing, right? Essentially on that video, right? Uh-huh fundamentally the whole game for me was get people staggered asap and then that's a damage phase use lightning um whatever the lightning thing is that stands still to double the amount of hits in a high hitting combo to get the multiplier up to 1.5 and then dump the biggest damage you can do on top of it right and so for a while that was will of the wikes plus the lightning orb thing and then eventually that was both of those plus giga eventually was both of those plus the big lightning single target damage thing, and that was Giga Flare went in for that, and then eventually Odin's big charge of the five bars thing went in for that. Yeah, but that was every enemy in the game. There was yeah. no differentiation between me fighting Ultima and me fighting a like a little wyvern on the plains, uh, you know, yes. somewhere. This is it's the same the thing where we, we talked about the fourteen rotations. I just feel like I'm hitting my yes. rotation every enemy. Uh, and this is the thing where I'm like, clearly the system has a lot of depth because this happened to almost everyone I talked to, but everyone also came with a different, like, optimal solution. So yeah. obviously the system does actually allow a lot of different ways. Like, I-, I had a different thing. I was mostly built around the um, big wind, like, column uh, that would, if Never I could use do that it ability, right, I think. always, the, like, the chain Garuda stagger. ult, basically? Yeah, the Garuda ult. Because okay. if I, like, could activate it at the end of one stagger... Uh, it, could. it will get you to another stagger. I, I switched that stagger. like Shiva game, and I was like, Man, Shiva has one that's the same thing. That Shiva yeah, like right, big AOE yeah. is that yeah. So that's like a class of of ability that's basically just a palette swap, I guess. Not, so, not really. But, like, a lot of I built around into these. Yeah, but like I built around it, and it worked for me, uh, and it carried me through a lot of the game. Uh, and you know, both of you two had completely different builds that also felt that way. But because there's no pressure being put back from the enemy design, um, I had no incentive to change things up like right. i don't think changing thing up so i'm not hitting the same buttons in the same order is enough i want to need, need some game design there please yeah um, rather rather famously uh i joke that jackson's never actually played bayonetta 2 because when jackson played bayonetta 2 uh they stuck to the starter guns I just, I just, and I was, yeah yeah and i was like if you're not switching to a new weapon and using it for at least one level every time you unlock it what are you doing playing the video game in the first place because that's, that's why to me that's when a the, failure the of the fucking coming. game yeah I want to be pushed into doing different things because of the different situations require different approaches. I, I think Bayonetta 2 is a great game for the record, but um, <laughs> I do think this is also an ideolo- ideological difference between what me and Jackson like out of the thing. We came to the same result in this game and feeling like um, there's just not enough there. There, God, I, it's it's a, it's erased from the from the internet at this point because the site that I worked for at the time does not fucking exist anymore. It was called, like, Gametopius or something. Um, <laughs> you know, this is this era of, like, late 2000s, yeah. early 2010. This was 2008. I mean, when did Red Faction Guerrilla come out? 2009. 
How do I know that? So why I, do I know that? Why do you know that? I don't know. June second, <laughs> two thousand nine. I review Red Faction Gorilla, um, and I am like the only person on the internet who doesn't like it. Uh, um, uh, that's not true, right? Obviously, but I feel like uh, it was very everyone's telling these stories about how they like had these sick moments of like improvisation and da 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 da. And Red Faction Gorilla has this gun um, that is like. Have, have either of you played that game? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. There's a gun that you get a third of the way halfway through that is like. A, and erase the thing that you're pointing at gun. Um, yes. It's like a laser gun that just disintegrates whatever it hits. And it's and it, that plus a sort of like AOE pushback ability thing that I had made the entire game the most boring shit I'd ever played. Uh, I, I found the thing that worked. I applied it. Horizon Zero Dawn was the same thing. I had a little rotation that worked on every creature in that game. Um, and at that moment, like, I want to be pushed harder. I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste time, especially when I'm doing something to review, right? Uh, fucking around with stuff that doesn't work as well, unless, A, the other abilities are so aesthetically pleasing to use that I'm happy to be less efficient in order to get yes. the joy of using them. They are not, in this case or the cases I just mentioned. To me, they were not aesthetically pleasing enough for me not to be optimal. That, you know, there, I say this a lot, right? But like, you can, you can, you have the first tier of complaint that you make about something, and then that is often, you know, uh, suggests a deeper discontent with the thing, right? If I'm complaining about the the dialogue in, a, in an action movie, that means that the action in the action movie wasn't good enough for me to shut up about the dialogue or not care yeah. about the dialogue, right? And this is similar for for me here, which is like the fact that we're complaining about the the about like oh we all had different builds but we didn't actually feel like we had any any like pressure to play it as different things means that like using those builds just were not fun enough you know um the, the same thing that ironically the same thing in red faction gorilla happened to me here which is there is one thing that worked uh gameplay wise for me in red faction gorilla there were these trials where it'd be like all right you have 10 timed minds yeah, to destroy this part. building <laughs> good luck and here there are those those um Towards the end of the game, you start finding the pillars that let you go in and like do a combat trial where they they give you a set of abilities and it's limited to one icon. And it's like, all right, figure out how to use this and and get this get through these waves of enemies that are kind of hard. You don't have healing items. Um, you have to use only the base ability and the two additional abilities they give you. There's no swapping between icons. There's no you know you you can't do anything else special. Go. And I really enjoyed playing the ones of those that I found because they pushed me to understand the combat in different ways and the regular my, game just my, never does that my thing with this is um that's all well and good but they got the devil may cry guy to make the combat in this game devil may cry 5 is regularly under 20 dollars and is a right. better game in every single way the story is better the you game can play it five better, times it's shorter yes you can play it five times <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's the other thing is i don't do this is why i'm not a character action person is i know that that a lot of things that character action people get out of game is replaying it and it's just not how my brain works and so when i get a character action rpg that's 40 or 50 hours when i play near mm -hmm. right uh, the combat in Nier is not, I don't think, deeper than this, but all of the other stuff going on in Nier is so much more interesting, and I'm invested so much more in it, uh, and visually, it's not as, uh, you know, spectacle-driven or as 
um, you know, uh, detailed, uh, uh, mu- I mean, musically, it's just better. Uh, but the, yes, the, yes. the fact that I care more about all that other stuff means that any complaints I have about the combat sink into the ground. Um, and, and I end up like, I'd go play near for 20 more hours right now. If you told me there was a gardening expansion, where I, I had to go garden more, I would do it. Um, and this is just, it doesn't hang in that space, but that's what the dream is for me about these character action RPGs is, oh, I'll mm. get the joy that a character, you know, someone who's way into DMC is going to play DMC five, five times. I'm not going to be that person, but I'll play something yeah, that's the length of DMC five. For five times, if you keep drip feeding me story I'm interested in. And fucking Nier mm. does it with the same story three times and it gets me. Yes. So, anyway. Um, my Also, there's no level design in this game. Yes, there, there's well, yes, no the, the level thing, design. The thing for me is in this game is not that I think the combat is, is mid, because I do. But I, 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 like every time I had a hunt, I was like, oh, you know, I'm doing something. Yes, the combat is, enjoyable. to be clear, the thing I enjoyed the most in this game. Yeah, it's the, the thing, thing is the rest, the rest of the game is running through extremely linear areas or big areas with nothing in them no secrets no like all the treasures are just like randomly generated and will just like refill over time or whatever there's like no purpose to exploration um well, there are are handful, 300 fell can, can i finish can i finish yes. before both yes. of you yes. um clive can't run in half the zones of the video oh, game God. and when he does run it takes him Five seconds to build up to speed. The jump is terrible. And then when you're in when you're in home base, which is most of the place, it is an enormous hub world where you have to watch his like very canned run animation go from quest giver to quest giver as they turn to you, say the thing they need you to get. The thing goes <laughs> and you wait five seconds for the thing to disappear because I don't want to track the fucking quest. It's fine uh, every time for 75 times because there's 75 quests in the goddamn video game. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's a fucking disaster. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I think this stuff is like so bad. I've seen people complaining like, oh, this is just like 14. And I believe some of it, uh, I, I know that like Austin had a very bad it time. It sure fucking is, Jackson. Let me tell you, bud. But I, I like know. this more than, than 14 because uh, I'm done it. I, it's behind me. It didn't take me however many hundreds of hours. This made me want to go back to 14. That's that's the sick part. Oh my god, have fun. Because at least there I can dress up a character. Right. I that, believe people, I believe, I have three, I said 250 before, I have 325 hours in Final Fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like at the end of a Roamer board. I have very, I have a lot of Final Fantasy You have the stuff ahead. that I like coming up. And, and it is stuff yeah. that is this stuff coming up. Like, mm-hmm. you're about to hit the dragon stuff, and it's cool. Yeah. The stuff about that I don't like. That's where I f- first felt like I'm not in control of my own character, which I'm not, because that's not what the game is. But anyway, you have good stuff uh, coming up. You should go enjoy Heaven's Word. It's the I will. most I like the point. game. So. Uh, yeah. uh, the thing I was going to say before is, there are on occasion, there are things that are truly hidden away. There is loot in chests somewhere. Most of the time, it's uh, accessories you're not going to use because yes. they give you a 2.5 second cooldown reduction on an ability, which again, I think if you're a character action sicko and you're playing on the second run, you're playing on the Final Fantasy mode that you unlock after on the new for the new game plus, the added difficulty, or you're doing the arcade mode stuff and you're building a sick rotation where it only works if you cut this one Garuda ability by 2.5 seconds, the, the, the cooldown time, because that way you can link them together. I believe that that's probably very fun. But for your first time through the game, getting a thing that reduces the cooldown ability of an ability you haven't used in 30 hours by 2.2 seconds does not yeah. hit. Uh, Miserable. The, the other thing that you find every now and then is gear. 
And the, one of the last things I found, I was like, ooh, let's go what's over here. I'm doing the exploration. Again, for people who don't know, the game is broken up into kind of big plot areas which are completely linear there's no map they're not completely linear but they're like nearly completely linear sometimes there's a little side area that has a chest at the end of it and those are the chests where you're going to find the plus two or minus 2.2 cooldown or plus seven percent damage or whatever items um uh, and those are always to be clear those items are always about either a particular ability or a particular character action that you can do like your lunge gets plus 9% damage or whatever, right? It's never just um, the last item you unlock in the game, or one of the last ones, is a 5% flat damage boost <laughs> at uh, gloves, which are very good. And it's like, okay, yeah, these are going on. But generally, you're not getting cool stuff. The other parts of the, of the world, besides the very linear main plot dungeon areas, which are, again, are basically linear, are these big kind of like open areas of the major kingdoms, basically. So there's like the Rosalia one, there's the Sunbreck one, etc. And those have like three or four little village areas and then a bunch of open zones between them. That feels very MMO in design, right? Um, uh, these kind of like uh, little hubs where you go to get your quests and then you go out into the world, except that it doesn't even... I mean, I guess that is what happens with them. But the way the quests are, are doled out is very start-stop. So you're just kind of collecting all the quests at once and then going out and doing them from each of these places during the kind of side quest moments. Um, but the other thing that you can find every now and then is a piece of equipment. So the last thing I, I found in the world was Masamune, the the legendary sword of old. And it's like, well, this thing sucks. Throw it away. I'm, I'm never going to use it because all it is is an attack amount and like a stagger amount or something, right? I guess I don't even know what the stats are. All I know is it had lower on both of those than the shit I just crafted, which wasn't even the best thing in the game that I crafted. It was just like a pretty good thing I got from crafting through their linear crafting system. Uh, weapons and armor never have additional effects. There's no status effects in this game either, right? That's the other thing, right? There's just static. You know, the there's no burn. There's no damage over time. There's no poison. <laughs> there's no freeze. I guess you could freeze. You can, Shiva can freeze. That's not really a status effect, but it's like sort of one, right? Hmm. Um, but there's no dizzying or stunning or, you know, like that. all of the classic stuff in an RPG that you do to somebody or that happens to you and you have to deal with it. And so none of the weapons have that as another vector for expressivity, right? Or for like, like the weapons don't have character in this game. Think about, uh, think about RPGs where you hang on to a weapon because it has an effect that's cool even though it doesn't do as big of a damage number as the other, the new sword you found. None of that is here. And and I think that's a huge failing, too. And, it, like, the fact is, that means I'm never excited when I explore because I'm never going to find anything that adds to the sense that I have more tools in my tool belt. And I'm probably not going to find an interesting story thing either. In fact, I might go explore a, sp a place, kill all the enemies in it, and then seven hours later get a quest to go back to that place to find a journal that didn't exist there when I was first there so I can go complete yes. a quest about how someone's a sad orphan. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, the, the world is so perfunctory. Um, it's I, beautiful. I, I do genuinely think it's beautiful. So, like, mm -hmm. nice work to the artists. I think some of it's beautiful. I think, like, the artists <laughs> are always, like, doing great work. Uh, but I think it's only occasionally, like, pointed at aesthetic goals that yeah. I find really interesting. I think the two-thirds of the game are just, okay, make the most high-res, gray medieval town you've ever made in your life. I'm like, why? I've already seen them. Like, can make, we, can we now make 14 of them. <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay, now we'll have one with a big castle outside. Now have one in a field. Uh, and you finally get to, like, the desert, and there's, like, an oasis and salt mines there. And I'm like, well, the, now the we're salt, the, the, the Yeah, the area with the hot springs is my favorite area. Yeah, that place, that place looks sick. 
Well, like, and that speaks to one of my biggest complaints about that part of the world design is like, I think about the area where Martha's town is and the other little town, the the um the place where the slaves go eventually. And there's another village there. Maybe that's near the winery. I don't quite remember. Make all those one place. And it suddenly, I, I think it has a little more character. Uh, make mm-hmm. those all a town, you know, and like there's the corner of it where Martha's stuff is. And there's the corner of it where the, the, the madam is or whatever. I think those are two different maps, but you get what I'm saying, right? That like, yeah, that whole map has four little villages on it. I don't care about And you're them. only going to one quest giver in the village basically ever. ever. Right. And like, I think that there's something really lost. You don't get that cool, you know, not every game is trying to be Dragon Quest, right? But like, oh, I rolled into a new town and there's like, there's like a bunch of stuff in this town and there's like, three different tiers to this town and there's an NPC I'm going to deal with in each of the little districts that doesn't happen here. And instead you get gray medieval village for 70% of the game, you know, hot springs town is cool though. Good luck. Also though, it's just down the road from where you and Titan (laughs) devastate the world for an hour. And none of that actually, it doesn't seem like you were next door, but you definitely were. This game has extreme, mm. like, the open world for, like, Rosario and Sambrek are just called Sambrek, right? You're there. That is meant to be representative of an entire empire and kingdom. Um, but uh, you, I walked that. I saw how many paces it was from one town to the capital, uh, and it's about 400. <laughs> um, right. And, like, right. Uh, so are we working with abstraction here, or are we working with literal space? Um, and yeah. I'm happy to give them the abstraction confusing. thing, but what, I, what yes. I'm not happy to give them is that it doesn't add up to anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I I really think I would have been here for the world that is like The Witcher. Um, I would have happy, happily had them do that tone and would have ha- been happy to hand wave the fact that, like, okay, to communicate that, what you need is a bunch of little feudal villages that are all under the auspice of this central authority. And so we're going to put four or five little villages out there, and they're not going to be particularly pretty, but, like, and you won't even necessarily get the, the the character of them, but it will build up in a way that you kind of get the sense that, like, you know, in The Witcher, here's Novigrad, and then all around Novigrad, here and there are these little places that you can stop in at, and they all have, like, one or two little interesting things going on, and you kind of get the sense that, like, power and influence spreads outwards from Novigrad, uh, and you don't get that here. You get, this is where the three windmills are, and then there, like, do you remember that that's a town outside of Sambrex, like, Gates. There's a town, the town near where the the two children's stories are. The child only when I was looking for uh, hunts and had to go. I had to go around. Yeah, Yeah. Uh exactly. Yes. Which again, the hunts are such a a bummer because it's like I'm going to go find the enemy and do the same thing I did to the last one. Fighting death incarnate is not different than fighting this big ancient alien robot named Atlas, which is not different from fighting a dragon. It's a lot different from fighting the, like, 16,000 axe guys you fight (laughs) over the course of this game. (laughs) It sure isn't. Uh, Yeah, no. I I mean, the hunts are, like, they're ripped out of 12, but, like, 12's a game about setting up weird gambits with, like, different, like, the enemies you fight in 12 are very, very, the hunts require radically different strategies for every single Uh, fight. The hunts are also extremely ripped out of 15, but we're going to save that for when we cover 15 someday, where we are going to revisit a lot of decisions this game, because I feel like it feels like they accidentally made a bad 15 again. I'm so (laughs) mad. I mean, they did. It's a, it's a, it's a boys road trip game. 
They're fucking lying to you. This is what I mean when I say Xenoblade 2, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is less misogynistic. At least you go in and you're like, I'm going to get I'm going to get a lot of fan service. I'm going to get a lot of like goofy harem shit. All the women are going to want to sleep with this little nerd for some stupid reason. Um, uh, and that's the game that you get. And then also, by the way, you get like some sick spectacle cutscenes and you get, uh, some characters who actually end up having genuine, genuine feelings about because they have lots of opportunity for dialogue. They have lots of opportunity for banter. You're watching sort of like sugary cereal. You're playing a sugar cereal game, right? Um, and if you can get past the fact that the women and especially the blade design in that game is like, deeply objectifying, which is hard to get past, and I don't, you know, I don't hold it against you if you just simply can't, you will end up being like, oh, I actually like this character a lot, uh, or you'll find someone to, to, to you know, clutch onto if you're a JRPG person. Um, this pretends to be this other thing, and then it is, is the Final Fantasy XV, like, boys road trip game again, and they just didn't have the honor of telling you that that's what they were building ahead of time this time. They'd... It's- just snuck it in. It's very funny that a lot of like the pre-game release discourse focused on like this is the serious, mature Final Fantasy. Uh, we're going, uh, we're tackling real ideas. We're not going to have Blitzball in our game. We're not going to have fishing because it's a serious war. They should have uh, been fucking fishing in this game. I'm like, there should have been. Fu- not only should they have been fishing well, in this game, but you should have been able to uh, find things in the world that let you have bring different people back to the hideaway and the fishing would build up a different meter that would do this and like you could build a fucking video game out of this and they just did it right it's not it's not you get a hideaway but you're not doing Suikoden in finding the 108 right. stars to make the hideaway cooler you're not getting the elevator guy you know that place so needs an everyone, elevator by the way everyone in the hideaway is just a guy Sid knew what if you came across the blacksmith in the world and you had a side quest and you're like you're cool come back to my hideaway and then yeah. once he was at the hideaway you got more weapons that did this thing and maybe you're not <clears throat> there's just so many like ways I can think of my, my brain goes like supernova trying to systematize it because i right. like these kind of rpgs well and uh, i i think em you're right you all need to do a full 15 episode you need to oh, we are. we're going to um, jackson's going to play it someday because jackson's going to play i'm it. so I mad fact, i didn't finish it because yeah. i also constantly was just thinking about it and things like when that game launched you could only play as uh noctis right i'm, I'm right <laughs> yeah. so that's when i played most of that game you could only play as noctis and just the way you could only you could only play as clive here nevertheless I understood what my party was good at and what they're, what, yes. and they were cool and I was interacting with them and high-fiving them and doing team-up moves. None of that happens here. You know, you'll have people in your party, you'll have Joshua or Jill or Sid in your party and they're doing their attacks with Torgal who's in it for most of it and then for some reason doesn't come with you to the end of the fucking game again. <laughs> ah. Um, uh, but they're not doing things you can tell Torgo to do like an uppercut, you know what I mean? Or like yeah. to give you the slowest heal over time ever. But you can't, you're not, it doesn't, you're not fighting alongside, you're fighting, not fighting with them, you're fighting alongside them or something, right? You get what I'm saying? And I feel like that's yeah. such a miss after 15 where those are the boys. You're hanging with the boys and they're, and they're doing team up maneuvers and Prompto is taking photos. And you know, when I think, when I, when I think about it in retrospect, I mostly think about the cool photos Prompto took and not the weird fat phobia associated. <laughs> with that character you know yeah um i i yeah this made me really mad at myself for not finishing 15 when i first played it so yeah well i I feel like we're like wrapping up the main discussion but to briefly circle back around like uh all the way back to the ultimate stuff is um 
this is the thing I remember from JRPGs. I don't actually care about who kills God. I, like, this has happened a million times. What I'm, the thing I'm focusing on is, I like some characters, please. Some characters yeah. I like, yeah. uh, with some perspectives I find interesting, and a journey that is, like, emotionally resonant. Um, I like uh, uh, FF10 because uh, Titus is good, uh, and I like Titus and Yuna's relationship, and I like uh, Waka, and I like... Um, Lulu and all you know all these characters. I, I like the characters in uh in in that game, and here, I I just like, I don't really invest in like I like Gav. Gav's okay. Gav's yeah, a kind Gav's of fun cool. guy. I like um, Gav is a character I like. I like Dion also. I like Dion. Yeah. I like Gav. I like the uncle. The uncle is great. Uh, what's his name? You know who I'm talking about? Byron. Byron. Yeah, yeah. Byron. Um, I really love. There's two things of Byron I love. I love the initial thing where Clive. In one of the only scenes where it feels like he has a real personality, he yes. has to do – he's like – he's trying to convince his uncle that he's really Clive and not someone pulling a cruel trick on him. And so he he like plays pretend with him like he used to. He like goes through the sort of like uh, – it's like as if you're playing King Arthur on the Knights of the Round Table with your uncle, you know? Um, and that scene is incredibly cute. Um, and then towards the very end when he's like, they used to call me the executor and he has his sword out or he has his axe out. He's like, maybe it was the axe they called the executor. I don't, I don't remember, but he's like, I'm going to fucking fight through these, these ash zombies. He's great. There are a lot of side characters who are, who I'm, I'm here with, you know? Yeah. It's not like a total wasteland or anything, but I'm like comparing it to like classic guys in yeah. the Final Fantasy pantheon, uh, you know, uh, Cloud. And, well, and there's uh, moments Barrett of missing what could be classic moments or to help Clive mm-hmm. become one. You know, there's this big fight at the end, towards the end, between you and Barnabas, who is the dominant of Odin. Um, and I think they're going for something with it. It's not the big spectacle fight that the Titan or Bahamut ones are. It sort of feels like they they maybe wanted that, but then backed off because of time or budget or something. But who knows? I don't know. I'm not going to say that. Instead, you get this thing that's mostly a one-on-one sword duel on a big tower that's falling apart. And every once in a while, Clive or or Barnabas turn into their their icon forms for like a quick beat, but mostly it's a sword fight. And you know I love a duel. This is, you know, I'm the guy who's like, Dark Souls 2 is the best one because it has the most one-on-one duels with guys. Um, uh, that's, this is the thing. That's why I like um, a Sekiro so much in the FromSoft games, right? It's like, it's yeah. lots of just, I'm dueling a dude. Um, and so I should like that. But there's a decision that I think like stands in for a, a lot of problems with this game. It's like em- emblematic of it. Um, a lot of the the icons, a lot of the dominants turn into a sort of like primed or half primed version, is what it's called, where they take on like their superhero. They they, they do their henshin transformation, but they they haven't gone full kaiju mode yet, right? Um, and for Barnabas, it puts a helmet on his head and it hides his face, and it's like you have these two super serious, rivalrous, dark haired anime boys fighting in the rain on a tower, and you covered one of their faces. They can't make eye contact anymore. You can't see the fear or the anger in one of their eyes or in their on their faces. You fucked up. Like like that's the this, genre. This implies that Barnabas is emoting, which he's not. But he could be, and he should be. And they're and they're making it so that he doesn't have to. Because they're they trying to do Dante versus Virgil in this fight. Like, exactly, a hundred percent. And so it's like you need the facial animation for that. And it's like they covered his face so they wouldn't have to write him having emotions. You know. I think like, that is, and, and it's the same thing. Like you keep Jill off screen, so you don't have to ask what she actually thinks about anything. Yeah. I, it's it's yeah. avoidance of what the strength of the genre is supposed to be, over and over again for sixty hours or fifty hours or thirty hours if you're quick. Yeah. Yes. 
All right, is that it? I Anything think, else? We got a bunch of questions. I think we've complained about this game. For the, music be the music should be better. The music should be better. The music should be better. If you want to send questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you're listening to this on the day it drops, there might be another abnormal mapping that is recording tomorrow. Uh, we'll f- talk about that at the end of this episode. Um, but for now, we're going to get through the questions we've got here. I, we got too many questions. We got like 34 questions. So I combined a bunch of them. I, I truncated them. If your question didn't make it in, some of them we clearly just covered in the course of talking about the episode. Um, anyway, uh, from Brad. Uh, <laughs> It says, uh, you know, as much discourse about Game of Thrones influence Final Fantasy 16, has this unfairly overshadowed how much it's influenced by Prometheus? Yes. Uh, yes. yes. I don't, is Primogenesis it actually... Primogenesis is truly the... Every time he goes, oh, I am the one who created yeah. life, Primogenesis. And I'm like, this is just the alien from Prometheus. I, I believe you. I, or I, this is not... Uh, the thing I just want to underscore is that this is just Chariots of the Gods and everything that's based on that. Yes, that's it, true. It's just Reapers again. It's just like it's just stargate again it's just this is a this is a stock story that a thousand mm-hmm. games have used already so it, but you're right ultimate does have prometheus vibes i i do think uh, that like actual like one thematic little uh turn they make in that is directly stolen from prometheus which is the thing about ultima the thing like clive tries to like epically own him with is the Prome- uh the um ultimate is also uh an agent of forces and circumstance mm-hmm. acting on nature mm-hmm. uh which is the thing with like that, that's like the answer that they get from the gods in prometheus is that there is no answer; they're just people making things um which right. is that, that that is like directly taken from prometheus to me um from brendan if you could be any ps2 game what would you be that's a good question i any? think calamari oh that's a good one i don't fucking know this is too big ps2 game yeah, if you could be any PS2 like game, asking which blade of grass I could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, which blade of grass would you be? The yeah. cool one that makes me feel good about being alive. Uh, uh, Final Fantasy X-2. Is- <laughs> yeah. 
I I can't answer this question this quickly. This is I have to sit with this for a week. This is why I gave everyone the questions two days ago and was like, don't do the thing where you show up to the podcast and have an I looked at it this morning and I gotta tell you, I read PS1 game. Okay, what's, what's your the, what's what's If PS1? you could be any PS1 game, what would you be? I didn't have an answer for that either. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I sympathize. Em always tells me off because I'm always like this with questions. I'm like, I don't fucking know. That's a that's an abstract question. And Em's like, answer it. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. It's impossible. It's impossible. All right. Uh, Final Fantasy Hilver, what's no, the, that's the PS1 game. Fuck. It's fine. Um, from Hilver, what's the funniest thing Square has done? Um, also, what is the funniest bit from an actual Square game? I.e., everyone's going to pick the funniest thing Square ever did was cancel Final Fantasy 15 a year after his <laughs> That's out. true. I mean, that's, that is, that the is it's, it's the objective answer. There is, I mean, like, I guess you could argue the spirits within stuff, uh, but they held a live stream to announce they were canceling Final Fantasy 15, and I'm laughing about um, it. It's very funny. Day. I think my favorite thing in a Square game, like fun, like comedy wise, uh, is specifically the bit where Laguna goes to climb down the cliff and just fucking eats it and like careens on the cliff and supposedly goes into a coma for like several months because of his injuries. But I love that guy. What an idiot. Oh, you meant like actual funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Funny's went- bit from an actual Square game. Yes, but I took that as like the bit where uh, the last two Kingdom Hearts games have ended in the reveal that first you are Xehanort and then the twist that you were never Xehanort in a row. Oh, you can pick that. You that can counts. pick that too. That was what I prepared for this. But, that counts. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, bought a bunch of Western developer uh, and, <laughs> and ruined a bunch of shit. I didn't understand how to use them. Destroyed yeah, multiple franchises. How's that? Is that, is that good? Yeah, you can pick that. Um, from Eric, what if there was a JRPG about the Arbiter? From Halo? The fucking greatest make game ever made. Yeah, from Halo. Yeah. God, can you imagine? Like, you remember, I, remember that era is, of, yes. like, Lord of the Rings JRPGs? Oh, yeah. the Third Age? The Third Age. Yes. But that, but Halo <laughs> would have happened. It would be uh, my favorite game. <laughs> the question goes on to ask who would the other party members be, but I don't think you need anything. I think you could just be Arbiter and sometimes Master Chiefs there. I think you could get single player RPG. You wouldn't have, like, Master Chief, like, some Grunt Mage, a non Cortana AI. Uh, sorry, did you say some Grunt if, Mage? Yeah, Grunt Mage. Are there mages in Halo? No, but you can have, like, he's got a science thing. I don't know. He's got I mean, science you can, you can make it Science mage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some way that, like, a grunt could be, like, a frontline fighter. Yeah. Uh, um, That's fair. My one thing is I actually think if I was going to make this, I would make it have as few humans as possible. Yeah, you want one of every alien type from the Covenant, right? You have, like, a grunt. Yeah. You have a pair of grunts who work as a single unit. <laughs> um, And you have, you know, you have a big, you have a brute who you have, like, a rivalrous relationship with because all that shit. Right. And you have a what are the what are the other aliens? Your the jackal, jackals. who's like your sniper. Maybe your jackals. Your Le- I'm leaving that one on the bench. I'm not using the jackal. I'm <laughs> no, like hate those guys. <laughs> the flying guys that everyone hates. Yeah. Oh, can we get a little potato guy from ODST? I want a little. Oh, potato one of the guy. potato guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Love to rotate the ideas of Halo in my mind and then remember what Halo actually is. <laughs> oh. Um, from Aiden, uh, in a recent interview, Live Alive producer Takashi Tokida said the following, if the Steam PlayStation dishes the game could sell a million copies, then I'd be very confident in proposing a Live Alive 2 to the company. So I need all of you guys to help with that. Lol, anyway. Um, I bet that's that'll sell. Will that not sell a million? It's on Steam. I don't know. It probably did. Yeah, but I, meant- everyone always says this, and it, it never once has led to a new game being no, made. So. No, yeah, that's not true. Odd. They did make another World Ends With You. Oh, God. Oh yeah, rip. Uh, Sorry, I just anyway, checked specific- live live on Steam. Yeah, it has two hundred and seven reviews. Yeah, yeah, that's brutal. They- it's nothing. 
Um, anyway, the question actually is, what would a Live Alive sequel made today look like? Which new time periods would you like to explore? Is this even a good idea? They'd give it to the um, Octopath team. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you, well, you hire Takeda to come back. Right. I mean, he's, he's right. around. You they, know, he'll work for you. They already have the team, the, the team that just made the remake. That They exist. Yes, They're already there. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, so my main thing with this is um, part of the joy of, of Live Alive is that it's pulling from all these genres, not just like thematically, but structurally. It is different every time. This is the thing that Octopath Traveler 2 doesn't do that I wish it did. Um, and the imagination space of like RPG Maker games and what the framework of an RPG like looks like versus what you do is just so much wider than it was in the early nineties. And I would like to see them go further into that. I would like Mm. a chapter that is just like a survival horror game, like sweet home or something. I would like a chapter that is just exploratory. I would like a chapter that's uh, like a garden simulator, right? There's all these (coughs) things exist in RPG maker and should be brought forward. I don't really care about the period so much. I do think that like structure of what you're doing in a game should be much more adventurous than like Octopath is. I like this. Yeah, this I mean, good. Like Live Alive is like the progenitor for a lot of that stuff, right? It's very influential yes. in the RPG make community. But yes, in the in a world where they make a Live Alive two, I want the like this is the chapter that's like doing stuff like Eve, right? When we played that, yeah, um, just like doing more experimental stuff with the form because that that is the thing I really enjoy about Live Alive. Yes. Um, this uh, next one's from uh, Botter. This is a long one. I'm just going to read the email. Uh, this game does not include black people. It barely includes brown people, which are very yikes in terms of representation. Uh, very orientalist while having weird white features like green eyes. But my point in question is about the lack of inclusion of black people in this game. In the Eurogamer piece, uh, Yoshida's response to Final Fantasy 16's lack of diversity is souring, says black players. But Yoshida's interview quotes in a clear, easy follow away, so I'll be pasting those below. I'm just going to read them. Ultimately, we felt that while incorporating ethnic diversity into Valisthea was important, an over-incorporation into the single corner of a much larger world could end up causing a violation of those narrative boundaries we originally set for ourselves. The story we were telling is fantasy, yes, but it is also rooted in reality, he said. Further, it can be challenging to assign distinctive ethnicities to either antagonist or protagonist without triggering audience perceptions, uh, inviting unwarranted speculation, and ultimately stoking flames of controversy. In the end, we simply want to focus on to be less on the outward appearance of our characters and more on who they are as people. People who are complex and diverse in their natures, backgrounds, beliefs, personalities, motivations. People whose stories we can resonate with. There's diversity in Valesia. Diversity that, while not all-encompassing, is synergistic with the setting we've created and is true to the inspirations from which we're drawing. Uh, this is not a new, this is uh, going back to the email. This is not a new response to this criticism, especially in the world of games. Um, people have talked and written about this in response in length, including you, Austin, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's happened in the past with like kingdom come deliverance, uh, the usual valid, very valid criticism of historically black people exist in these spaces yeah. during these times. And you're shooting lightning from your hands. What do you mean? Realistic? Well, very much apply here. Uh, but the very few points uh, specifically to 16 that are worth summing up first, it seems very messy to try to make a story about slavery that acknowledgement of the history that black folks have had with that by trying to avoid it. She has stated as he did, I feel like he's just making it more controversial and messy support attempt at telling that story second he added arabs a lot of arabs are black what are you talking about third plot twist the game reveals ultima the game's magnet taking this evil god created people as we know them people overall he fled valacia escaping the blight decided to make uh create people to forge the ultimate vessel so he could cast a spell to remake the land uh valacia is the land where he put the people there's no other land supposedly there is the throwaway line and the game has to another continent far away that's basically japan and seems like it's 
this, I'm editorializing here. It's used once to show, oh, they make they make katanas in another yeah, place. Uh-huh. Here's like the katana stuff. Well, and like, also, there's one time where a lady fails to buy some slaves she wanted to free. And she goes, oh, they went to this other land where I've heard people take care of their slaves in a very like we sent the dog upstate New York kind of <laughs> yep. way. That's literally how the, the, the quest line resolves. It's really fucked up. Um, so for the purpose of the plot, Valsi is the only land people on it. Those people created by Ultima. Uh, this plot point destroys any arguments she made about not including black folks in the game. Ultima is a weird God guy. He doesn't know what people are. Why did he only make white folks and racist approximations of brown folks? Also, the interview is one of Yushida's defenses. They're only focusing on a small part of the world and that there's a much larger world outside Valsthea, implying that those people might exist outside the camera. But where is it when Ultima made everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Mythos just didn't happen to, to coalesce over there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, it's bad. Um, the part where the part where halfway into the game you go to the desert town where half the people are brown um, and half sort people of. are not, and it's not about the yeah. uh, and but it's all really nebulous. Other than they really like Assassin's Creed, seems to be like the whole thing of that town uh, is weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I I will say that you know I don't know how how many of y'all saw this, but Black Twitter Black Gaming Twitter's response when this game came out was like. Well, damn, I'm glad they didn't put black people in this because they would have yes. fucked that up. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think that they were – I, you know, I don't like to attribute motivation. Um, I do mm-hmm. think they would have fucked that up. Um, and I don't know that yeah. they re- <coughs> realized that. Um, but I do susp- – I, I would believe that there are people on that team being like, we're telling a story about slaves. If we put black people into this, people are going to take that more seriously and hold us to a higher standard of getting it right. Um, and they're probably right about, I mean, that's probably correct whether or not someone said it internally at Square, that if there were, um, if there were black people in this game, there would have been more than just one review or two reviews that talked about the slavery when this game came out. Yes. Yeah. When, when I got to the, the, the fields of San Breck and everyone, you know, where all of the worst slavery side quests are, I was like, okay, I see why they didn't do this. And then 10 hours later, you're walking into the desert place and they're, they're stoning the one guy for lying to them or whatever and i'm like you you're telling the they truth just first found the all. one hot button point of like racial representation to take out yeah. and just ignored the rest existing uh yeah god it's, i it's, just want you to know that i did a search for because i believe gita wrote about this in in their polygon review of the game yes i searched mm-hmm. polygon final fantasy 16 top hit is a reddit post polygon preview final fantasy 16 is a slick modern epic second thing on red or on, on google that came up Final Fantasy 16 buying god polygon. Third thing that came up, you can now pre-order the $600 PS5 bundle. The review oh, is just nice. not on the first set of of things. Great. Uh, eventually yeah. here it is. It's a sub one later on. Miserable. Anyway. That uh that makes sense cuz like I mean we didn't really talk about it on the podcast but like the social media atmosphere about this game has been frankly noxious just a disastrous uh uh all around yeah like, i mean we could have an entire side podcast about the state of criticism and the state of readership right now it's it's yeah. disastrous it's dire um i'm not saying that that i'm not saying that there were not things that um burned some of the goodwill towards sites like kotaku there certainly mm-hmm. were, were um but things like the response to that article about jill um are, 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 are just like 
so damning about where the readership is at. I felt this yes. coming years ago. If you go back and listen to the last Waypoint Radio that I was on, or like the final one, I literally said like the sea change is hitting. People are not giving criticism good faith anymore. Uh, it's been from from liberals. It has been back to brunch. Like truly and really, they are done thinking about identity and social issues in video games. Um, and from the right, it's ever-growing. Um, the, the, the dismissiveness of uh, the idea that a game like this that has, you know, people are pointing at Jill and saying they're, they are, that, that she is their favorite Final Fantasy woman ever. Um, uh, and that anyone who's criticizing Jill is themselves a misogynist. The world has fucking turned on its head. Um, and I, again, I think part of that comes from a, a disdain for the state of the media ecology, which is not about individual writers and instead is, mm -hmm. is the result of, um, you know, a lack of investment and, uh, you know, disastrous business plans and et cetera. Um, and, and people, you know, <clears throat> uh, leaving the industry behind and taking their knowledge and editorial experience with them. I don't know who would do that. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's a fucking hell site, right? Or the hell world right yeah. now. And the, again, the fact that you could write what is a fairly, un, you know, uncontroversial take. Um, and then the, the second layer of that is, again, if people haven't seen this, when there is now criticism of this game, it comes with the biggest caveat you've ever seen. I forget who ran that article. That was was it Eurogamer? Was nope. it RP? Who was it that wrote who, that Do you ran mean the hard drive shit post piece? No, that hard drive shit post piece was in response to a real thing. Oh, Jackson, I don't know what the real thing was. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. there was a real post that was like, "I love Final Fantasy 16," but and that hard drive piece was basically just that exactly. <laughs> Uh, we we have uh, we hide under the shelter of no one listens to podcasts. Thank God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because when, when I tweet about it, it goes fucking bad. Uh, yeah, the people the people quote tweeting you and being weird in your mentions will never listen to this. Yep. And if they do, and they got this far, well, I guess whatever. We. I mean, at least thank you for today. listening. I don't like when people quote <laughs> yes, to me. Hey, without... give us a dollar on Patreon, please. Thank you. You have done before better. you quote Jackson. <laughs> I will give you this. If you're still mad at me, at least you've engaged with my work, which is not true of most people who harass games journalists on Twitter, right? Yep. Like, yep. Um, yeah, because like I remember uh, when like uh, the Guinness Review on Polygon hit, like was just like intense harassment for just bringing up the slavery thing, yep. and no one else talked about it. And it's like, I mean, not no one. People were talking about it, right? It's not. It's not no one, but broadly, that conversation either didn't rise to the top or was actively suppressed by harassment uh, and like the atmosphere around it, uh, and that's kind of unthinkable considering how literally every two seconds of the game is about slavery that is what the game is about you can't talk about this game without engaging with that uh and it just got kind of smoothed out of the whole thing because of where the media is at it, it sucks out here it's bad out here yep yeah 100 percent uh pace writes in uh what's one scene you'd like to see or an idea you wish the game spent more time with for me uh since learning from his final side quest that gav is from the northern territories i wish for a scene where jill and gav discuss being from the same place yeah that'd be great but she doesn't remember it because she was stolen away from it god god um i it, it's just jill in general right like we get that whole mm. thing about her going to get revenge on the the people who had kidnapped her and turned her into a into a you know a war criminal basically yes um and that stuff that thing feels stapled on she gets angry about it and then like a lot of that is just about like oh is she gonna get so angry she does something super like dark and then no not really um and then you have a big boss fight at the end that like you know it's not even a big boss fight by the quality of boss fights in this game you know um so it's just jill jill i think it's gets has a great disservice done to her. 
Uh, Benedicta yeah, too. Like I, all of the women in this game are just not well served by this game. Yes. Um, Dia writes in with a classic Dia shitpost email of eight thousand fire emojis, and in between the fire emojis are the question, word by word. You are the third icon of fire. You can be any fire aspected character from video games. How will you manifest, champion? Great question. I looked up all of the fire. Oh, that's I, – I tried to answer this question by doing research, um, uh, by searching for, like, fire video game characters. Uh, yeah. And there is a list on uh, Wikipedia of what they – of characters associated with fire or heat abilities. And it's a piddling little list. I'm going to link you to it now because it's so funny. And also, I think some of these are a stretch. Um, I think I would not, for instance, say that Luigi is a video game with fire or heat ability. Have fire? Oh, game, just anyone uh, who can pick up a fire flower on this? Like, is that where we're that. going? Yeah. Uh huh. Um, I'm not sure that I would include. Um, there was someone, uh, someone else on here that I was like, come on. Anyway, my real answer is on here, and it's Agumon. <laughs> I would love to be Agumon. <laughs> Man, oh, fuck yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. That is so true. Um, oh, Flemeth. When- Flemeth from Dragon Age Origin or Dragon Age is on this game. She's just a witch. She's just like an ancient god spirit witch thing. Like she happens to um, also do fire spells. When Dia sent me this original email, I immediately sent her a picture back of the blarg from Yoshi's Island, mm, um, which is a mm-hmm. great answer. I'm sending you this picture that I sent Dia. Great answer. Look at that guy. All time uh, fire yeah. person. <laughs> Uh, my other answer is, of course, the man on fire from Metal Gear Solid. Oh, banger. That's not true. Which is what? not actually a good character anyone <laughs> wants to be. It's just funny. It's I was going to say, do you want to be Vulgan now? you want to be Vulgan? No, Classic I don't want to be Vulgan. I want to be the man on fire. For the brief <laughs> second, everyone's like, that's not Vulgan. That's a new guy. Oh, I have answers. I have answers. I found them in my head. PS1 game. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, PS1 game, Final Fantasy Tactics. I already said that. I'll stick to it. PS2 yeah. game, I have to make a final decision, but it's either Romance of the Three Kingdoms 11 or Zone of the Enders 2. Zone of the Enders 2. I love RTK 11, <laughs> but Zone of the Enders 2 is like in me in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Shit hits different. Go listen to yeah, that normal mapping about Zone of the Enders 2. You're both of them are actually one, right? Or did you just do two? Yes. Yeah, I thought you did. We, we, it's two. mostly two. Yeah, I mean, two we is just the play one, one as part of that. Two one is not the really one that a good game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you answer fire aspect of character, Jackson? I'm going to be like a shady pyromancer in uh, Dark Souls selling you because selling you shit. Oh, that's fine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like that's good. Guy in uh, Firelink being like, hey, you know, you don't have to level up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I can't. Right, I, Harper. Oh, I thought about Elden Ring nonstop while playing this game. That's all. That's fine. It's so true, though. So here's a weird part of gaming culture and my consumption of it. I muted Elden Ring like six months before Elden Ring came out on Twitter. I genuinely forget that's a game that came out and everybody played and talked about because I've never seen a post about it in my life. I, so I, I, All I of your friends have played like, 80 no. hours of that game. Yeah, I know. It's really funny. I haven't seen a single one of their posts. Danica and Natalie are streaming it like now. Yeah, no, I see that every once in a while. You should watch um, it. It's that, very fun. Yeah. They're great. Shout outs to that. Um I just am not a Souls person, and uh, yep. Elden Ring didn't seem like it was going to make me one, so I just, like, tuned it out, and it just, like, totally lost the culture. To you're me. not a Souls person, and you're not um, – I think the reason a lot of people got onto it, too, was, like, a little bit more traditional open world, which is, like – Yeah, I'm not that dominant, and you're not that person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, Harper writes in, uh, talking about the active time lore and uh, Harpocrates mm. and Vivian Ninetales. Um 
and asked, how long do you, how often do you find yourself using these tools? Was there ever a moment in the plot that was unclear, which led you to using ATL or other systems? Was there ever something you actually wanted to learn more about and looked up? Yeah. So specifically, we didn't talk about this because the, the conversation never brought it up. Um, uh, Kupka gets Benedictus head. Yeah. And it's where to it come from. He thinks Sid send it to yeah. him. But why would he do uh, that? To make, um, why would he do that? So later on, there's like one line that implies Slepnir probably did it. Okay. But it's I just never it was clarified it's upon. Okay. Yeah. As a, as a false flag to get him to attack Sid's outpost and kill everyone there. Uh, of course, literally the only, <laughs> there's only one named character who dies in the, the attack yeah. on Sid's outpost. Literally everyone moves to the next place. Yeah, who is it that dies? It's the it's the one person who works in the uh, garden. Sure. Yes, the guy you did the first guy in garden side quest from. Gotcha. He's like, gotcha. please get me my seeds by a four second animation yeah. every time. Yeah. Um, I wanted to look that up. I wanted to look up what Jill's deal was. Uh, I was like, is she is she like a is she like a ward? Is she like a hostage? Because yeah. she it, she gave off the vibes uh, of political hostage. Mid right? when mid shows up, and I was like, wait, did I yeah. who did did I miss a whole ass character? Well, I, there is a side quest where she writes a letter to Sid yeah, before I, that. I'd forgotten that, it turns yeah. out. So, um, uh, I never found that stuff very interesting or useful. I would do I it guess is my during thing. a cutscene. I'd pull it up um, mm-hmm. and be like, okay, have the. Because uh, it'll show you pull up the. You hit the, the, the middle button, the, the, the touchpad on the PS yes. controller, PlayStation controller, and you bring up a list of like everything that's happening in this scene. It's like, a, it's like six entries of like, here are the characters, here's the place that you are, etc. And I would always read that stuff, um, generally speaking, to be like, okay, what's the thing that they really want me to focus on in that's been developed? It'll have a little mark next to it if there's something new, you know? So if like, yeah. I, if I was having a conversation with Barnabas, uh, I would click in and watch that to be like, okay, what's up with Barnabas? Like, what do they what do they think they just told me about Barnabas? Is it is it what they just told me? Because sometimes it isn't, you know. Um, yeah. Um, but turning that stuff into Harpocrates or listening to Vivian give a lore breakdown of the faction game was so boring to me. Yeah. I hate all the of the Vivian those. stuff didn't hit for me. The Harpocrates thing, um, I, I felt bad I like, about uh, it. Thank you for also saying Harpocrates. Is it not Harpocrates? What is it? <laughs> no, it's Harpocrates. Harpocrates. Of but, course, it's Harpocrates. Um, I'm calling him Harpocrates because <laughs> right. he's named after my favorite Mark's brother in video game. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the <laughs> uh, there's more crates in this game. You can't break a crate yeah. in this game. No, um, you the I would I would the Harpocrates stuff was interesting because it was like. Not interesting. It felt like they couldn't give you a different way. So things like what was up with uh, with the other continent or um, the ancient people who worshipped Ultima directly or what's up with this religion or whatever. Uh, those would get special entries you would unlock through Hippocrates. And I would read those and be like, oh, OK, I guess you couldn't find another cutscene to teach this to me in. You know, the, the thing is that character exists in Final Fantasy X infamously as Machen. Mm. One of the greatest one of the coolest guys in games. <laughs> Lady Yuna, <laughs> let me tell you about the yeah, just a ludicrous like campy old man get, telling you in a big stories about stuff that matters. Um, but the thing with that is it's all really selective and right. like he'll tell you stories about things that matter. And this thinks that the, the a, co- a codex of an RPG inherently has value broadly, and I don't agree with. Yeah, this. I don't think so. I, again, I actually think that it's artifice. I think that it's like um, 
it having that option communicates is trying to rhetorically communicate something about the type of game it is that it actually yes. is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like putting a big mm-hmm. fantasy map at the beginning of your fantasy book. Um, mm-hmm. The map might yes. be useful, but what it's actually doing is creating an atmosphere that you're trying to bring the the reader into. I think that's yeah. part of this. So the same thing with the Vivian map stuff, right? None of that shit matters. Yeah. Um, but but being like, look at how you can button through the map and see where the different forces are moving. I, I, I'm I'm saying it's not mad. It doesn't matter because I don't think it landed for me. Um, but the I get the urge to do that is to communicate something, you know, the Game of Thrones opening that's this kind of clockwork map of the whole world unfolding. They can't do that. But they can give you a person that kind of shows you the map layer and moves you through. Then the, the people from San Breck marched onto tw- Twin Sia or whatever the middle area was called. Twin flame, yeah. twin oriflam. Uh, what's the the thing about that is every time, every time the game cuts back to Joshua, he's living a story where that stuff matters yeah. intensely. There are they not going to release that? Do you think? Do you don't think that's going to be? They'll do that and they'll be like, here's Joshua's story from the 15 years where you were separated. Oh, absolutely. Not. Who knows? Mattered for a little bit. <laughs> Joshua's uh, beard. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, I assume the DLC is going to be opening that weird uh, door that you can't open on the way. Oh, out. definitely. What's up with the door? Yeah. Yeah. At some point, I'm like, oh, there's like a dungeon. There's like a real dungeon in there. The one the game will have a real dungeon. Finally. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like Dion and Harpocrates' little last thing. Yes, I, I but do. That's I like I Dion, you know, and also because it's yeah. like an Aristotle, Alexander the Great thing going on, you know? Yes. Uh I do, I do think that, like, generally speaking, when these conversations come up, I tend to be a law defender. Because uh, a lot of people like to say, like... I think it's really funny, considering you've never liked a game with lore in your life. <laughs> Can you start a new YouTube channel, uh, Jackson, <laughs> comma, the lore defender? <laughs> the lore defender. But, like, often there are main debates on, like, especially a video games thing, but we'll have discussions about, like, uh, lore's what you're writing when you're not writing the story, right? It's like a bunch of nonsense that doesn't actually impact the story. And I generally believe that to not be true. I feel like lore yeah. is story. But that's because my main expression of... Um, as I was growing up, my like uh, main law thing I, I latched onto was Star Trek, which doesn't do this. It is actually contradictory things created by different people writing short stories over the course of decades that then builds into something really interesting. Right. Um, and whereas like 16 I found was the most of the other thing where like, I am given a bunch of bullet points about a bunch of world building ideas that sound really interesting and have literally nothing to do with anything that happens. Um, like we felt... Every every single country worships a different god. Every country in this place and all the characters in it have uh, like actual relationships with these different deities that matter a lot to them. We then proceed to find the actual, completely different, real god who unambiguously made everyone, and no one gives a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't cause a yeah. single spiritual crisis from anyone. It is not. It is like that should be embedded in your person. This matters to you. This is your like belief system. Uh, so it just like all felt a bit flimsy to me. Yep. Agreed. <sighs> uh, all right. Our next question is from Rick. If you go back and add one piece of costume DLC to any numbered Final Fantasy, what outfit are you adding for who? Uh, I was thinking about this one, and I, I, I didn't have a good answer because all the ones that have costumes I like. Uh, I want I want a lightning outfit for Cloud. I want a Master oh, Chief outfit for Cloud. Yeah, I want to go the other way. I want a Master Chief outfit for Cloud. 
Fuck oh, yes. They've got to bring that... You can't download them anymore, but there are some really beautifully stupid tie-in uh, outfits for uh, 15 and 13-2, I think, are the big ones, where you can yeah, get Mass Effect ones. 13-2's Mass Effect armor. Oh, yes. oh it's so good. <laughs> they got to get back to doing that. I think it's crazy that there's no outfits in this game. Um, like, That's not true. Uh, about 12 hours in, Clive gets his dad's super sexy gay vampire gay outfit, vampire outfit <laughs> yeah. which he, yes. which was not what he wore, by the way. We saw what, Cla- or what Clive's yes. dad wore, and it was very chaste. And then, and then Clive meets a woman who goes, "Oh, um, your dad? Uh, I have it. Out- it was his out. He would love to see you. It's just her. She just wanted to dress him up with his titties out." <laughs> to be fair, if you, I could bring literally any object in human history to Clive and said this was your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I said the I said the entire guy t- game just wanted to tie those little strings on so Clive's shirt together. Funny, but in Yakuza Three, I can go to a shop and I can buy a different Hawaiian shirt, and I'm like, "Do you look great, my dude?" Yeah, um, I want to dress up Clive so bad. This is the thing: they made a game with like a bunch of hot guys. And the camera loves looking at the hot guys, but they won't let me touch them. They won't let me change their clothes. They won't let yeah. me high, let them high five each other. <laughs> Rewriting my watchdogs. Why aren't why are, why are Clive and Sid high fiving? All like the time. Knocked us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's that one. They have that one incredible line where Clive's doing his like stupid guilt thing that makes no sense because they think they say it's like oh it's about the guilt, but it's actually a completely arbitrary thing about like who was in control so it's really, not really like no. a emotional thing and then Sid just goes well you know you should like go find if he was responsible and if not kill yourself <laughs> and I'm like that's a pretty uh, great line this is the thing it's like the part, there are parts of this game where they are hitting the like Clive Sid or Clive Joshua stuff and it is like dude, guys being dudes era and that like is the best bits of it uh, for me I think I might like those little bits more than I like the Titan and Bahamut like, I mean, that's part of that stuff, frankly, though, especially once Joshua's in the in the picture. Yeah. I would, like, throw out so much of the rest of the game and just have them focus on that. And then it just comes back to what we keep saying, which is, like, it's characters. Like, make yes. characters interesting. It's that. That's it. <sighs> what's next? Uh, Wait, what was your answer? Okay. Me? Yeah. I said I said I wanted... Um, oh, yes, I wanted... Lightning and a cloud. Lightning. lightning. Right, right, right. No, cl- cloud and cloud, yes. Yeah, yeah. We've already yeah. had lightning and cloud. Everyone gets cloud DLC whenever there's <laughs> costumes. Um, I'm going to combine a couple of uh, Emrys and uh, Adrian both ask, what's a Final Fantasy or a game like this to play? Jen also asked this. Um, just if you are if you play a game that stinks like this one, most of these people to play, uh, Emrys didn't, but like, what should what should I play? What's the, What do you play as a palate cleanser? If you're like, oh, this RPG fucking sucked. What's next? Do you have recommendations? Do you have your specific feeling on this? Like like to to get the to like to get the to get the taste out of your mouth to get the dragon's dog like, oh <laughs> dragon's uh, but like are you trying to play like a JRPG because like bravely default so, one is totally fine you know yeah um Adrian specifically asked when you're really down on games how do you get your enthusiasm back Emrys asked what post Final Fantasy X RPG mm. or or Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy adjacent game Emrys should play uh, to which I say Dungeon Encounters um and uh, Jen asked specifically about like what's a good RPG palate cleanser. But it was kind of all over the map. I'd also maybe read a book. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go back to something some books. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, like, go, go oh, back to working movie? on season two of The Sopranos. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You I know go- what I did? I, last week, I, I watched Silence, the Scorsese movie. Fucking great film. Yeah. You should watch that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would, if you're like, oh, this, this didn't hit. I wanted the good fantasy stuff. I'd recommend watching Excalibur 
uh, as soon as humanly possible. Oh, <laughs> fuck, watch Excalibur. Holy shit. There are these RPGs in the trash. <laughs> if you want to see a movie about a fucking king. You 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 should get them to do Excalibur for Shell by Genre bonus. So. I'll I'll, I'll raise it. I'll raise it. We already have a really we have a really. <laughs> I, I know. A, I am assuming it's like the most stacked list, list in the world right now. Yeah, for people don't know, I'm doing a, a, a podcast over on Range Touch with uh, Cameron and Michael called Shell by Genre. We're currently reading through the book of the New Sun by Gene Wolfe. We, were, we just finished uh, Shadow of Torture, the first of those books. That episode just went up yesterday as of this recording. Um, so yeah. yeah. Um, I'm currently reading a book called Hollow by Brian Catling, uh, on the recommendation of uh, Gareth Damian Martin, um, uh, uh, who who made a Citizen Sleeper. Uh, Gareth uh, read a a bit of a thing that I'm working on. I was like, oh, you should be reading fucking Hollow. Uh, and uh, let me just can I just read the first paragraph of, of yeah, the sure. summary of it? Sheltering beneath Das Das Kegel, the cloud scraping structure rumored to be the Tower of Babel, the sacred monastery of the Eastern gate descends into Bedlam. Their ancient oracle, quite testiant, whose prophecies helped protect the church, has died, leaving the monks vulnerable to the war raging between the living and the dead. Tasked by the high church to deliver a new oracle, Barry Follett and his group of hired mercenaries are forced to confront wicked giants and dangerous sirens on their mission, keeping the divine creature alive by feeding it marrow and, conf- and confessing their darkest sins. Book slapped so Sounds far. Sounds pretty sick. So... You know, the world is filled with other fantasy stories. Get out of video games a little bit. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Uh, all right. Um, Kimo writes in, when all of a sudden done, what's the deal with Metia? Seemed really uh, like they were setting something up with like a Final Fantasy VII meteor situation, but there was nothing other than it winks out when Clive dies. Uh, it is in the lore book. This is explained, but only in the book. In the book? What's the lore? Metier is one of the gods. It's the one that Jill worships, which is different to the founder, yeah, who isn't right. the god because that's one of that's just a guy that founded Rosaria, uh, which is different. To well, why is it a moon? Wait, the founder is just a guy when they're like yeah, he's by the, the founder. founder. Yeah, he's the founder of Rosaria, not actually like the founder of all. He's not. He's not the god. He's just a guy. He's just like a legendary guy. Okay, it's like so by King Arthur. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, and then Grieg is like the Sambrek one. I will um, say that's an interesting thing. Uh, really quick, before we just to divert for two seconds, Sandbreck is filled with like Renaissance art, um, yes, which I thought was an interesting thing going on. They don't do anything with it, right? But I was like, oh, okay, they're doing something. They weren't. <laughs> so wait, what's yeah, I wish all these characteristics Metia? built something. Wait, wait, if Metia is the thing that Jill worships, why does it wink out when Clive dies? Uh, it's the little red thing next to the moon. Is that yes, what it is? next to the moon? Yes, yeah, it's the red star. Uh, great question. Uh, the, burning, okay. the burning red star sits beneath the moon. Folklore ascribes to Metia the role of message bearer to the moon. Uh, so it has come and custom across Vastia to wish upon the star that one's heartfelt desire be... Apparently it, it, it's just a star you wish on, I guess. Mm. Um, okay. Does she wish him alive? Uh, that I mean, that is the thing that some people are saying. That Some people are saying that like, it only goes out because magic... I don't know. Don't know. Arguments are happening over the thing. I choose to read the uh, game's ending fairly literally because uh, no other plot point in the game was ever not explained 4,000 times to me. <laughs> um, I gotta so. tell you, in the middle of doing all of this, I watched um, Worm Girl on YouTube's uh, Breakdown of Fear and Hunger. Um, me too! That's good! That's a good video! That video is great, and it makes me wish that big video game studios... It makes me wish that this game understood ambiguity better because it's fun to tell a fantasy story 
with big weird gods that can be leveraged in ambiguous ways. Um, and th- this was not that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sam writes in, do you think the receptions game would have gone different if it didn't have the Roman numeral? Sam has been on a quest to play every final fantasy. And I do mean every final fantasy and is genuinely almost done, which is shocking. Um, just finished 15. Um, so like almost done. There's only like seven games right. <laughs> or something <laughs> after that. Um, and, um, was wrote about this in like comparison to crystal chronicles which did a bunch of weird stuff and was kind of imperfect but no one cares because it wasn't called final fantasy right. 11 or whatever it would have been when that came out can we can you confirm what this what what sam means is it would it just be specifically lower? all the... of the discourse around like the genre of game it is and like it's necessity oh, as a yeah, good video course. game um would be different if it didn't have the thing yeah i think it's fair to say I mean, uh, think of it. Okay, specifically, did, debate about whether this was an RPG because how much is omitted um, isn't necessarily the only time Square Enix has done that. Talking about Crystal Chronicles, Crystal Bears, just like a superhero game. That's like the Wii one. Yeah. Um, and uh, just talking about does the does the Roman numeral make it that people get weird about it? I think it certainly. I think we're in also weird. I think there's a weird cultural discourse around RPGs generally right now. Um, in a lot of directions yes it's probably outside the scope of this discussion people be thinking a lot about rpgs yeah. also rpg mechanics have wormed their way into literally everything because it's a way to extend gameplay without making new content mm-hmm. so uh, it's a bad time as somebody uh, likes rpgs yeah i mean obviously like i was thinking a lot about what the number means because uh, we've been great proponents of like they should just give up on the number right. uh, and by, by which i mean give it to everything i think uh every game for spoken should have been called final fantasy 16 um they should have had different writers but uh like i feel like they're too precious with the number uh they're just cool there's the new rpg so wait, you, you want number. to eradicate it by using it more yes yes love this for I, think the, I love that you're i think bravely default i also agree with this bravely so default I, should have first been a i thought fantasy. you meant they should just call everything Final Fantasy. This should just be Final no, Fantasy no, Bravely Default. You're no. saying Bravely Default. You're saying that we should be at Final Fantasy 30 by now or 40. Yes, yes, yes I agree. Because they keep making the games. They just give them random names, which then like a So the number has become to represent a value of import uh, and like specifically production value uh, that right. I think is unhelpful because that wasn't always true. Like 9, 10, 11 all had very different production values specifically because like 9 was on the PS1, right? Like right. Uh, they're, they're still all like high production value gains, but they were... That one's an MMO, one's a PS2 game, one's a PS1 game. They were all announced at the same time and they all had the number. And that was what like first broadened the like definition of what a numbered game could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but like once you do that there's no reason that the tactic shouldn't be a numbered final fantasy on some level right like why yeah, is that a sure. sub-series uh so the entire distinction becomes so arbitrary to me i would stretch it to breaking point i just think they should just uh call everything a number <laughs> yeah and dungeon encounters would be a final fantasy <laughs> like it fucking should be no it should yes. be agreed yeah but like i mean that's fine i'm not going to complain about this final fantasy type zero now you're a final fantasy two yeah are you is that a final fantasy 13 dash type zero I mean, that's the other thing is that this is not accounting for the fact that they tried and failed to do uh, Fabulous Never Crystallis, which is still the coolest thing ever that is obviously a terrible idea. If Square wants us to figure this out, they should give us some money. (laughs) We'll figure it out. We're not going to do it on this podcast. I'll do it better than they're doing. I won't cancel any games after they're already out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It didn't didn't come up. It isn't in the question. So you just mentioned it and I remembered. Um, 
it didn't come up in our discussion at all. I think Forspoken uh, is a much better game than 16 this, based but, but uh, I'm so low on Forspoken. Forspoken was so disappointing to me. But that's partly because it's an open world game and I'm an open world person. And so I'm judging. Yeah, I don't like open right. world. Whereas I'm like, you've given me this really beautiful place and nothing to fucking do in it. This is the, the sin. This is the true sin. I played, I played, I played for Spoken and Sixteen, basically the exact same. Going to the next mission and playing the video game. Yeah, no, I. Ugh. The the fundamental difference between For Spoken and Sixteen, though, as someone who hasn't played uh, For Spoken, but it's just like looking around. Aside from the writing, which I'm, I'm not going into, is that when you move around the world in For Spoken, you're doing cool parkour and uh, like. Doesn't. This really is it for me. I don't think it felt I, that it has good. A good I think button. it felt fine for the first ten hours, and that game is way too fucking long. And also, oh, no, it's I the same the game problem. Like sixteen hours, so that's part of it. Uh, the other, I mean, I have no idea half of it good. is unlocking new abilities. It felt the same in both. Where like yeah. I found the thing that it worked that. seven hours in, yeah. and then just did it for the rest. And like you're not wrong. I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't think Forspoken's a good game. Don't get me wrong. I have a whole podcast about how Forspoken sucks, um, <laughs> but it's a better game than this. One. <laughs> I'm going to be on the other side of this one. I, I think this that's is fine. to its credit. It's not forespoken, and that's all I can say that's good about That's not true. I can say other good things. Um, I'm just posting that image that's uh, Battle of Mid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anthony asks, if you're going to change up genres for Final Fantasy, what genre would you change it to be? I had to pick Boomer Shooter. And this also, Alex asks, what do you think 17 is going to be like? Sasha, what would you like it to be like? Um, I think 17 is going to be a game from this team again, because I think all the other teams are making remakes and sequels and other stuff. I think they should give seventeen to the Octopath people. That'd be yes, cool. That is my, that is my hope. Is that like? That'd I mean, they're cool. still making the games, right? They are making. Yeah, they're, they're going to make. They're going to make one of those either way. But I'd like them to get the get the nod. You're making good RPGs. Well, this is the thing. You get to make. Final this Fantasy. is the thing. Is that at this point it does mean the budget, right? Yes. Um, well, so I, I made this exact post on Twitter. Basically, kind of. I was this doing this shit mostly about previous football. But this was the idea. It's like let's just give the number out to one of the two D games. They're already making them. And right. one of the complaints I immediately got was someone saying, uh, "We don't want turn-based games to be relegated to uh, having two D pixel art." And then I was like, "Okay, the whole culture's lost. I, there's nothing I can do about this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the moment is past in some ways. I should play more Octopath too. I should. Hmm. That's what I'm playing now. Like in my spare time, it's like who do you start as? So, uh, Throne. I don't know who that is. I haven't gotten them yet. She's the thief. Okay, cool. She can steal from anybody and you get a buff at, at nighttime. I don't know if Octopath Traveler 1 had this, but nighttime, yep. the enemies are stronger. Um, uh, I don't know if it has that. Just, definitely have the power. The powers are different from day to night. I don't remember. Yeah, that. the powers are different. Also, the enemies are roughly like stronger, but she gets a buff during nighttime. Gotcha. So. I started as the like uh, the scholar who's in prison. And that was oh, really fun. He's, yeah, Oswald's like my he's second so favorite character. Cool. He's really cool. And then I got yeah. the... Um, the like priest guy like the priest detective oh yeah i am i am on cool. his i am on his chapter one he's the last guy I have to pick he's up. he's very cool he's like he's like extremely like um i i don't know that he's gay but his energy is extremely <laughs> yes. the yes, gay smart absolutely. guy came to town and it's gonna yeah. get to the bottom of it all it's great yeah. he's fantastic i should go back to that game fuck um Brendan writes in, if you were cursed to be a dominant, what would your Final Fantasy summon be? Fat Chocobo. Oh, that's a nice that's one. A nice, that's a nice, listen, I like the Fat Chocobo. Everyone likes Chocobo. Um, I'm, I'm, I want, I have two answers. I have like the one that's like funny and enjoyable. And I have the one that's like cool and enjoyable. And I just don't, I'm going to give you both. Uh, the funny one, of course, is Doom Train, the evil train from Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, Classic, love him. Um, what if a train was made of flesh yeah, yeah, and was yeah. evil? I love this. Um, Zalfiel, the cool uh, one. Available on your podcast of choice. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the cool one, um, not in this game at all, is Alexander. What if a castle what was a, a person? A castle was a person. Yeah, that's a pretty fun one. Which is always sick. Yeah. Um, also is holy. Whatever that means for a building to be holy, Alexander is that. <laughs> uh, God, I don't, I don't, I know them all and I don't know who I would like. I think like the, the, the truth of it is, is that like, Phoenix is just a cool one, and I would love to be that Phoenix in the world, you know? Yeah. So, kind of boring. Uh, hey, where's Leviathan? Is that a thing that I missed? Leviathan They, they, the they mentioned at one point Leviathan that Leviathan is a lost icon. Yeah. Huh. Which the, everyone's like, oh, that, that's the DLC hook before everyone got into theory crafting about the ending. Sure. Um, I don't know. Who could say? Um, uh, Modern writes in, went back to Final Fantasy X after a year away. That truly is how it is sometimes. And realized I was at the Blitzball tournament. Thankfully, I don't for a minute, but uh, Blitzball tournament, I don't like Blitzball. Modern doesn't like Blitzball. I also don't like Blitzball. Me, I'm editorializing. Have fine. you ever had a sudden mini game or other gameplay change occur that killed your interest in completing a game dead in its tracks? Probably. Um, no. I've never... I, so, I'm sure this has probably happened at least once. Um, I couldn't think of one exactly, but like... this When... Oh, you go. Oh, I was gonna say, when I played Assassin's Creed Revelations, um, <laughs> the, the third Ezio game, I got to the first tower defense game because that game has oh, a right. the major side mission is tower defense and shut it off and never played it again because I fucking hate tower, yeah, tower, tower defense tower games. Defense either. I just feel like just generally I tend to when I when I let games go, it's usually just like oh, I'll get back to that soon. And it's just like a sap of interest, not like I hit the one I very rarely hit the one thing I'm like, I'm done uh, I should really get better at doing that, because this just leads me playing 10 hours of games that I'm annoyed about <laughs> um, I mean, I, I got to Breath of the Wild where it was like, oh, go kill Ganon now, I was like, yeah, I'm good I'm done, got it, you got <laughs> to finish the plateau, it. you're good, oh, here, ooh, yeah. one more thing one more thing about this game in the final fight against Ultima they're trying really hard to do the thing that's becoming increasingly trendy in games, where they use the artifice of video games during non-video gamey parts. I mean, obviously, there's already sort of uh, quick time events during the big fights. L three R three to accept the truth, uh, right? It's that type of shit. Uh, that that's yeah. in this game, right? That is that. That's yeah. what he does in the middle. Yes. Um, and towards the yeah. end, the the specific artifice I'm talking about is not just jam on square a bunch to do a bunch of punches. It's the big fight between Dion, uh, uh, between the brothers and their stepbrother, uh, and Ultima. Uh, it, it has damage numbers in the middle of just cutscene as yes. cutscene. It has the damage, yes. um, the the life bars. That's every that's every icon fight. Every icon fight. Has yeah, but numbers. but in those fights, I'm hitting buttons way more often, um, and mm. I'm going into gameplay way more often. This big opening cutscene, you hit square two or three times. You hit it like three or four times, yes. I guess, and maybe you hit R one three or four times total over like six minutes. And so it really yeah. feels like there's lots of seeing them do things that I have zero part of, and it doesn't yeah. hit with hit for me at all i think part of that is like we've seen in the last couple of years better instances of that sort of like the artifice of video gaming being used i don't like god of war one i didn't play god of war two but there was some footage of a very funny gag going around with a game over screen uh in a boss fight that i think hits better than this there's some stuff at the end of tears of the kingdom that i won't spoil that is not as gimmicky as this but is about hey the, the UI and the artifice of games is how we tell stories. That's part of the storytelling mechanism. How do we leverage that? And that stuff in Tears of the Kingdom, if you're listening and have played that, hits so much more for me than the stuff here where it's like, oh, no, look, they're only doing a little bit of damage against against uh, Ultima, whereas Ultima's every hit is doing big damage. Like They're trying to use the, that part of a video game to tell the story, and it just doesn't matter. Uh, it, mm-hmm. Ugh. 
this is one of the things like to broadly had to have the like big turn-based versus action battle thing um is that i like a good action battle system uh, but i do think like you really lose the canvas for storytelling that a turn-based battle can provide because a turn-based battle is very good right at providing a stage where the every single move is like a theatrical bit of aesthetic storytelling um the uh bit where he like fights his dark self right the, the, the elf three alpha to accept the truth uh is literally doing the same scene from final fantasy 4 where cecil becomes a paladin mm-hmm. uh but in that in that one you you don't fight you press defend every turn that's yeah. the, that's the, the yeah. thing right but yeah. in this it has to be an actual boss fight so you're doing combos and you beat him like you do any other boss fight but like it means something when facing your dark self usually that is a kind of acceptance is happening. Uh, you use different storytelling language, yeah. and so in that fight in four, you press defend. Um, and not doing things like that uh, is, I think, the missed opportunity here. Like, there is a lot of ways you can use the language of, uh, like, the actions you take to communicate things that just aren't taken. Um, yeah, you should. You, there's a bit where uh, Joshua comes up to you when you're having the weird narrator hallucination, uh, as you're in the like, oh, come and be Akashic with me bit. Um, and he's like, who are you? And he should make you press X to say Clive. I believe it's in my soul. He just responds, I'm Clive. But me and Emma on Skype, just, uh, they were playing this, and I was like, this, this should be press X to Clive. Press X to Clive. Yeah. Let me use the verbs. Video games can be so good sometimes, and then other times, they're not. It's so true, though. Yeah. Um, and then a final question from Brendan. Which Final Fantasy character has your favorite outfit? You know, it's not like a difficult one. <laughs> uh, Jekt. Oh, Jekt's good. Jekt is good. Love Jekt. Um, this is like, this is cheat. This is cheating, right? But like, and I'm not a Final Fantasy IX person, but it's Vivi. It oh, is, I mean, classic. Classic you know? for a reason, right? The Black Mage is one of the best designs. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's lasted this long. It's just... The 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 weird Black Mage... Did you see the Black Mage Scarecrows in this game? Because there's yes. like... When you go yes. to the I Windmill area, there's a bunch of Scarecrows that are like fake Black yeah. Mage outfits. I was rolled my eyes so hard at that yeah. shit. Um, yeah. Um, Jack's just a guy who doesn't care. Yeah. And I love that about yeah. him. My favorite dirtbag guy it's genuinely crazy to me they never made the uh jack to oran and um brasca right there they i don't want them to make it they'd fuck it up they would not know how to handle uh brasca and his like dirtbag <laughs> beach bum boyfriend <laughs> fucking as oran's around being like this is against god's will the entire time. <laughs> uh, i want it don't get me wrong i want it more than anything in the world up. i don't believe they'll make it yeah. We did it! We spent three hours podcasting no, that's about it. That's it. That's the last one. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, if you have emails, you can send them to enrollmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, next month, me and Jackson are playing Mega Man Legends Hell yeah. for the Sony PlayStation. Good game, if I remember right. I've never played it. So. I remember liking it. I remember, remember liking it, generally. It's a long section in the middle. I remember being like, okay. But. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that's it. This is I the guess. thing. Mega Man, yeah, it, it, cute. It's a cute little game. There's guys. They're great designs. Yeah, I know. It always looked really yeah. cool. It's one I've been meaning to do for this podcast for literal years, yeah. and then finally pulled the trigger on it. So, um, I guess that's it. Austin, where can people find you? Find me on the world uh, co-host.com slash Austin is probably like I'm doing asks over there now. Uh, non-anonymous asks. I'm not opening the world to myself in that way. But co-host.com slash Austin. Uh, I'm on Twitter still, Austin underscore Walker. I'm on Blue Sky and Threads, but like, am I? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. They're not, you get the app. 
Yeah. You know, come on. I'm posting some photos over on, on Instagram. I'm A underscore walk over there. That's been fun. I have a, cl- I have a, a, a t- technically have a newsletter at clockworkworlds.com, but the next entry in that is just going to be here is where you can find me. Here is stuff I've been doing over the last six months that I haven't, like, promoted anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so look forward to that. But that's not going to be, like, a real article, you know, or a real thing. I just don't have time these days. Uh, and then, you know, Friends of the Table, Shelf by Genre, uh, AMCA. We just finished Rebel Season 1, AMCA. So... That was fun. Rebels is good. People should go listen to that. Yeah. You know what Rebels has Jackson. is characters talking oh. to one another. It has a party of characters who are friends. That's true. And sometimes they argue, but they also go on fun adventures. And Final Fantasy 16 should be more like Star Wars Rebels. Writing an article now, but, I yeah. like Final <laughs> Fantasy 16, but it should be more like Star Wars Rebels. Uh, that's so true. Uh, it actually putting... is kind of true. <laughs> Yes, that's they're both, true. They're both stories about rebels under empire, and that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have a rebels question for you. Yeah. Do you think does Zeb come across to you in the, the idea that my idea that rebels is like a family unit? Yeah. Right, there's mom and dad and the two kids. Is Zeb the weird older brother, or is he the uncle Fester? He's, he's, I think the, he's uncle the uncle Fester. Fester. This is we cover this a lot in AMCA okay. by now. It's it's it's. I'm behind because I stopped watching Rebels. I just got That's busy. fine. Uh, yeah, we talk a lot about both Chopper and Zeb as being the weird uncle slash slash mm-hmm. older brother. But, like, it's definitely – it's. did you get to the bit where Ezra is training on top of the the spaceship? Yes. And, and Zeb and Chopper are hurling milk bottles at him? <laughs> That's yes. definitely weird older uncle. You know, we, you know weird yeah. uncle vibes. They're definitely blasting like ACDC while they're doing it, you know? Yes. <laughs> Each has a Miller High Life in their other hand. Good show. Anyway, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. Cool. Where can people go to support you? Uh, yeah, you can find me at uh, headfallsoff on twitter.com and co host and blue skies are the other ones I'm at, but you know, we'll see where the posts go. I also have asks open, but. Um, Less, uh, every time I go in, there's occasionally one that's like someone being like, Hey, here's a. I, I have anonymous ass turned on. And you know what? It's gone about as well as you'd expect. So, haven't gone all in on that Turn yet. Turn those off, Jackson. I should probably just. Yeah, People will ask you questions. Off. If you give them the opportunity to do anonymous, it'll be anonymous because everyone's afraid of touching another person in the world. But if you if you restrict it to anonymous, the shitty people will stop asking questions, and the people who want to ask you questions will be a little more considerate about how they do it. Because uh, that's probably true. So I should probably uh, just uh, limit that down. But that's where you can find me, and you can find the podcast we do at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. Uh, I guess I'm on co-host at em dash being, but I don't ever post there. And I'm blue sky just em being, um, where I post a little more. But honestly, it's it's mostly Twitter. Twitter's still it, unfortunately. Um, I have anonymous asks on, I think, but no one's sending me asks. So if you'd like to send me asks, I would love them. Send them asks. The, the three various variations of asks. Uh, I'm getting weird ones. I don't like it. Uh, you can you have to tell me who you are and uh, please just send me anything. <laughs> Um, um, let us see uh, who wins this battle. <laughs> <laughs> I want to shout out your most recent episode of Blockbusters uh, on. Oh, oh really? Yeah, it was really fun. It was really great on uh, Quiz Game. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, if you want to support us and all the podcasts, you go to patreoncom mapping for one dollar a month. You get the Great Gundam Project, where every Wednesday, me and Jackson are watching Gundam. We've been doing it for six years now. Uh, we are currently watching the original 
like Gundam trilogy of movies because we failed to do it the first time when the podcast was a very different thing. Um, but it's also in preparation for about to watch uh, Zeta, a new translation, which did come out in the aughts. We're like in the weird space between see Destiny ending and double O Gundam airing. So there's like a couple things in there. And one of them is the Zeta. Uh, you also recently became the Igloo Defenders, which was very fun. <laughs> I became the Igloo Defender. Uh, Jackson begrudgingly enjoys Igloo, I think is how that's No, I, I like uh, Gravity Front more than you. I'm like Gravity Front. Yeah, you like Gravity Front more than me, but I like Igloo. Uh, 0079 Apocalypse. Great Gundam. I think the the first episode of Gravity Front is one of the best episodes of Gundam. It's one of the greats. I don't, I don't understand. MS Igloo, maybe Gravity you've heard of it. <laughs> no, maybe you probably have not heard of it. <laughs> also, I said Quiz Game. I meant Quiz Show. The movie's name is Quiz Show, yes. not Quiz Game. Uh, yeah, so for $5 a month, you get Blockbusters or every month. Me and Jackson talk about a big Hollywood movie, usually talking about, like, the script and what it's talking about in terms of, like, the things that it values. Um which sounds highfalutin, but honestly, we mostly just shitpost about movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good podcast. We watched Quiz Show, as you said recently, which is great. Uh, we talked a bit about quiz shows that we liked. Uh, actually, just game shows, because I don't really like quiz shows that yeah. much. Um, we've done plenty of episodes. You were on for an episode about uh, <laughs> Jack, uh, Zack Snyder Justice League way oh back God, when. We did oh, right. Was that was when that you were sick. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we pulled you in. Oh, God. Uh, thank you for that. Um, and uh, ne- what are we doing next month? Oh, G.I. Joe, The Rise of oh, Cobra. <laughs> I want to say that everyone reacted like I'd suggested, like, watching the worst movie of all time. I remember this being fun, stupid. I wasn't trying to punish anyone by doing <laughs> the worst movie I could think uh... of. Uh, and then for $10 every two weeks, you get VoIP Life, which is just a thank you for supporting that work. It's mostly dumb quizzes and shit posts. We recently got a quiz where every game we cover for normal, normal mapping, someone sent us uh, the positives and minuses of the GameSpot reviews for that game. And we had to guess what game it was through like it removed all like identifying information, but just through the pluses and minuses. And that was great fun. People were really like that one. I enjoyed doing it. <laughs> There's a lot of like, Oh, well, how, what, what score is this? Cause if it's after 2006, they can't do any, 0.7 scores <laughs> that was I, how you cheese the system i would not have thought of that because i was not a GameSpot person yeah um but uh it's usually us talking about games and just random shit uh, we've had plenty of guests and weird episodes and, they're yeah, fun um, they're very fun stuff. they're good yeah um that's it if you like this podcast please retweet any post you see about it on any social network if you're on something we don't do like threads or instagram and you really like the show maybe try to tell your friends about it <laughs> hey um, please promote our podcast keep... for us on threads the social media site that no one fucking uses <laughs> I'm saying we're not going to use it but other people do like instagram is very popular facebook's really popular i haven't had a facebook in 10 years i'm not getting a facebook right. you kidding me so you go out there and support um, us on, on facebook please yeah <laughs> if you want to rate us on itunes and stuff that helps too if you want to support the network patreon.com slash normal mapping y'all been writing this emails, podcast for all the 10 things. fucking years i don't i really don't know it's that coming up yeah it's it's 10 years in october uh we've got to choose a really good special for get it. it that like y'all have been doing the work i mean the people listening do but like if there are people listening because i am a guest and i promote mm-hmm. this and you haven't like listened to abnormal mapping before emma jackson have been fucking doing the work for a decade um so Terrifying. please support that find the <laughs> we're not leaving right. either <laughs> right which is oh. good which is why you people should go support the patreon patreon.com slash abnormal mapping words. Um, words if you've listened to three plus hours of music of this thank you so much i hope you've enjoyed if you're the, someone who liked final Fantasy 16 uh, go with god just don't at me That's <laughs> yeah i, mean, as I always, can't take like, it away from you it's been very right, successful it's, it's fine you, yeah it's very successful you if you enjoyed this game a lot for reasons we didn't bring up like rad i'm happy that you had a good time that's rad there's shit that i like that oh. i don't expect anyone else to so 
Like Gundam Igloo. Like Gundam Igloo. Yeah, I have not watched the... Igloo. I, didn't, I just listened to y'all talk no, about I, it. Yeah. So. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. That's it. Uh, thanks, Austin, for coming through. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you. Actually, I'll see you. You know what? Actually, last thing. Uh, like I said, if you're listening to this on Thursday night or Friday, uh, tomorrow, I'm recording an episode on Muv Love with my friend Olivia that'll be out next week otherwise. Uh, and look forward to that because we're going to talk about all of Muv Love, all three games. Wow. Of you finished um, like Alternative and all those other ones? Yeah, Very I finished Alternative the other week. Excited That's what I did this. right after I finished 16 because that had been hanging over my head for like three months. I was like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to fucking finish this. Can you answer um, me a I'm question? Putting... Is uh, Muv Love yeah. more or less misogynistic than Final Fantasy 16? That's a random right? It's, how it works, right? it's, a, it's a zero to hundred spectrum. No, I mean, I mean, it's less, but I mean, it's it's like originally like a an H game, yeah, right? It like is. it's it's got a bunch of booby anime girls in it, and the main vehicle is you are a guy who will pick routes in which you will pair up with one of the girls and eventually have sex. Probably you're playing the Steam version where that's not going to be in there, but all the framework is still yeah. there. So as long as you're okay with that, I think it's much okay. less. Yeah. I just this is this is me again pointing to like we have to develop a better schematic. Uh, for understanding things like misogyny in games or racism yes. in games in ways that are not point scoring, but are instead about holistic critique, where you can still hold, yes. hold these things to account, um, but but also think more broadly than like the bikini armor is in it. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, because this is a game where like you have you have sexualization, but lots of people are pointing at Jill and being like, well, at least Jill isn't objectified, and like in in some ways that might <laughs> make it worse. <laughs> You know, bro, objectified there are lots doesn't of ways just to be mean an object. It, uh-huh. Yeah, right. Jill is wearing clothes. There's not actually exactly. the defense. Okay, both of you shut up. We're finishing oh, this podcast. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. 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 <laughs>
a sky of scattered tears, a thousand years apart. Should they fade, I will not be afraid of the dark, for your flame still burns inside me deep within my heart, showing me a new tomorrow, never too far. Sky.